1: Uh, up and away in my beautiful, my beautiful balloon. Yeah, I've actually been up on a hot air balloon. It's kind of fun. We'll talk about that in the second hour with uh, Jonathan Mosley. Right now, I've got uh, Sally Saxon, Esquire. and I call her that because we have Dr. Deborah Viglione joining us. And if I have Dr. Deborah Viglione, I had to give Sally Saxon a title, too. So you're Sally Saxon, Esquire, lawyer extraordinaire and author of COVID. What's the name of that book? It's long. You've got this huge name for your book. Go ahead. Tell us all about it. Oh, Hi. It,
2: it is the COVID 19 vaccines and beyond. What the medical industrial complex is not telling us.
1: Yeah, which is a lot. Well, let's let's talk about it. I had to, uh, Deb Viglio on before. We've talked about this quite a bit. I've had. You know, uh, we had the 18 weeks of the World's Greatest Doctors panel. So our audience is really familiar with the problems. So wherever you want to start, if you want to tell the story, how the book came about, that's fine. Uh, that'd probably be a good place. And then I want to really get into big pharma. What do you know about them? What did you find out about them? What nasty things are – I mean, how, how psychotic are these people? That's a, Especially after that video that we just saw from, uh, from Project Veritas. So, so start the story wherever you want to, and then let's, let's get into the really nasty – who are these people? that um, yeah. don't take their own vaccine.
0: <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> Good morning. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I know. Another truth. cup of coffee. Wake up. Here we go. <laughs> it's action right. radio. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh.
2: Well, the book came about uh, when, uh, about this time last year, um, I uh, started writing just a little report um, to give out to healthcare professionals in my area because I became really moved by uh, stories of people who had suffered uh, injuries from the COVID vaccines and, you know, how their lives had been turned upside down. You know, it's hard enough just dealing with the physical injuries, but then you've got a compounding effect of, uh, you know, their doctors. Uh, often dismissed their problems as not being vaccine-related, just being problems in their head. Their insurance companies weren't helping with the in, insurance and the the coverage for all their medical costs. Um, and, uh, you know, their family lives were disrupted. They lost an income and while all these medical bills were, were mounting. And I thought, oh, it was so heartbreaking. You know, every time you hear... Uh, You know, someone with a a vaccine injury very heartbreaking. It's hard to listen to, you know, and my heart just went out to these people. So I thought, what can I do to help stop this? And uh, so I started putting together a little report because I had already been doing some research on uh, all things COVID uh, in connection with another book. I had been uh, writing an updated and expanded version of uh, Globalists on Trial and uh so i've already been doing that so i decided to take some of that research and you know just put it into a little report well that little report grew into a, a longer report which grew into a little booklet and which grew into a larger booklet and then i thought oh my gosh uh what have i got here and uh so i started asking around um uh for some critique by healthcare professionals and i did have a few healthcare professionals who who read it and they loved it and I thought oh my gosh you know I need several copies of this you know to give to people uh, but I wasn't quite ready yet because I I needed a medical critique you know from mm-hmm. uh, a doctor to look over it and make sure that if I'm going to give this to doctors you know I want some doctors to look over it and and really critique it from their uh, medical perspective and so it was uh, around that time that my pastor actually introduced me to Dr. Deborah Biglione, and mm-hmm. I sent her a copy of what I had, and then she gave a copy you know, to Dr. Jim Thorpe and said, hey, you know, read this, and what do you think? You know, we need to help this lady.
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, Well, she's here. So let's see. Is there a doctor in the house? Good morning, Deborah.
0: Yeah. There
1: Welcome back. Good. Yeah. Good to have you here.
0: Yeah,
3: I've been to the gym, did my cold plunge, and showered.
1: Wow, what's a cold <laughs> plunge? I'm afraid to ask.
3: But yeah, well, that's part of what we're going to get into at our event, because that's one of the ways to, you know that you can detox your body, but they're theorizing that this may be the way to get some of that spike protein out of your body.
1: So Ooh. that was one of the Of course, I want to hear about that. Yeah. Okay. So we're just leading right into the middle of the topic. Uh, Sally's talking about how, how this all got started. And so feel free to join in. I'm going to let you two you know, tell the story, go back and forth. Feel free. I'm just kind of hanging out here because this is fascinating because it's a great combination of a doctor and actually a lawyer and two doctors, you know, with Jim Thorpe, uh, who's a busy dude, who may actually be on the other line. I'm going to check right now. So we have another phone number uh, calling in here. So this would be great. So Sally, would you like to continue? This is fascinating. <laughs>
2: Oh, sure. And, you know, Deb may have more to add from, from her and Jim's perspective, you know, at, at this point. But, uh, so they agreed to come on board and, um, and help me, you know, on this. And, uh, so then it expanded from uh, the booklet that it was at that point. And into other things because um you know as you know you know deb has spoken to um audiences before on these mm-hmm. kinds of topics and she raised the question and said well you know the most frequently asked question that i get when i speak on these issues is how come we've never been told this before uh-huh. and so so i thought oh gosh we should address that issue you know especially for the healthcare professionals and, you know, there's a, a, a short answer to that that you can say in just a few sentences or you can give evidence of each – because I, I came up with three main reasons. Okay, oh, well – got an hour. Feel free,
1: and, and you're always welcome back. Yeah. So, you know, if you want to be detailed, I'd rather do details and have you back than try to cover everything that you absolutely want to cover one time because you can come back any you want. That's easy.
2: Yeah. 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 Well, so as your audience probably is aware of, you know, there was all this censorship uh and oh, of yeah. information.
0: <laughs> Funny you should and, say that? And, and just, <laughs> We're really yeah. aware.
2: And, yeah. and massive lying. And then a second issue is just corruption and collusion, you know, in the in the industry, in the medical industrial complex. And then uh the third reason is um the uh big picture uh that all things COVID fit into uh which is there's a bigger agenda behind this. So, you know, I could have just left it at that, that's one paragraph, but, you know, people need to see the evidence and they need some examples of well, you know, what's actually happening because uh at that point in writing the book I realized that okay, it's this whole effort is about uh a lot more than just trying to help stop the vaccine campaign it's actually uh about helping people to see how bad the problem really is and why we can no longer trust these people who um you know many have had trusted uh with their health in uh, making the decision about these vaccines and so um you know we need to to know a great and greater depth you know what is a lot of the evidence uh, about this that it, it affects not only our health, but all other issues uh, affecting our lives. So um, that's why we added several more pages to address each of those three, you know, different reasons why uh, people hadn't been told this information before. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, it'll the biggest really one work. for us is censorship. Okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Deborah. Then we got Patty Burke on line. I'll get to well, her in so just a second too. Go ahead,
3: Deborah. Yeah. It opens a big can of worms. Not yeah. In the okay the you know it opens a big can of worms because once you find out the corruption behind the vaccine, then <laughs> you find out it's behind literally almost everything mm-hmm. and the yeah and it goes way back to the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers, you know creating a system you know of back then plants were used you know the American mm-hmm. Indians, herbalists, you know we used our environment to treat illnesses and people were healthier because they lived off the land. And Rockefeller set out to change that by creating modern medical institutions that were treating um well it was basically feeding the big pharma complex. So they didn't want well people, they wanted sick people that they could then find solutions for to relieve symptoms but not cure anything. And Sounds like cancer. You know, when we went through school yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well when we went through school they demonized and and called quackery anything outside of the medical industrial complex anything outside of what they call you know allopathic medicine now, and that wasn't the way things were you. Herbal medicine out of China, ooh, you know. That's yeah,
1: that's, I was going to say that. It, it, I, I was in yeah. China, and I remember a pharmacist that had drawers full of herbs and all kinds of things. And Chinese uh-huh. medicine is, what, 7,000 years old? And how many how many billion Chinese are there? <laughs> you know, I mean, the evidence yeah, is right. there. Yeah, It's kind of silly, yeah.
0: And then
3: they um, started wanna, to, you know, the FDA uh-huh. comes around to regulate it, to make sure uh-huh. it's safe, you know, because they were making things in the pharmacies back then, you know, concoctions, and so they uh-huh. wanted to standardize it to make sure that they weren't – Scamming people, and I'm sure some of it was, but they were, I think, trying to find, you know, concoctions to treat various illnesses. But yeah, it's it's crazy. You know, when I grew up, oh, you know, well, still that way. Chiropractors. I mean, there's several doctors up here in Gulf Breeze that if they find out one of their patients went to a chiropractor, they fire them. What? I mean, it's mm-hmm. that bad? Yeah. You
1: mean the employers yeah. of just regular companies fire them for? I mean, under chiropr- chiropractor. No, no, doctors 17.
3: are firing their patients. If they That's go a, to a chiropractor, oh
1: really? There's a
3: couple of them up here that do that. Mm-hmm.
1: So, so what's the penalty mm. for medical discrimination on, on those grounds? <laughs> I mean, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean I, there's got to be. I mean, I'm making up new things. Well, what I want to do actually, I've I've got an idea that what we really need to do is get you two together. Uh, with action radio and come up with uh, uh, both uh, from a legal aspect and a medical aspect an entirely private medical system because what i think happened is that covid has been the excuse for national health care um think about that for a second i want to bring on uh, patty burke who's one of our local uh, advocates and uh gulfreeze patriots uh gulf coast patriots excuse me i always get that wrong (laughs) hi patty welcome to the show we got uh, deb and sally Good morning.
4: I came to listen and uh, draw wisdom from these ladies, so I'm I'm just all
1: ears. Okay, well, you can oh. mute yourself and then join <laughs> in whenever you whenever you want feel like it. So that that'd be kind of good to have you on too. All right, let's yeah. let's take let's take that big question here. Do we need Uh, an entirely separate medical system. I mean, I know we need a separate blood supply, uh, but but it seems like there's two kinds of standards of medicine. There's private medicine, you know, hydroxychloroquine ivermectin, where people are, are, you know, for the most part doing just fine, unless there's other issues. Uh, And then there's government medicine, what I call the remdesivir ventilator death march. And I I, I say that, you know, kind of bluntly, but it's, it's, in many ways, it's true. So are we really in a two-tier medical system? And I want to hear from both of you on this because I think that's where we are. um, Yeah.
3: Patty, Patty, if you want to share your story, but, you know, I thought after the legislation and some of the things that have happened in Florida, that the patient had the right to have ivermectin and have it brought in, that's still not happening. Uh, Patty,
4: do you want to tell a little bit about what recently happened? Patty? Yeah. Uh, Yes. I'm happy to share some. Uh, A gentleman um, was... Actually, a nine-year liver transplant survivor um, contracted COVID. uh, And actually, Oshner had recommended, and I guess it's pretty universal, that if you are a transplant survivor, then you need to line up and get the jab. And uh, his wife, who's a very, um, very smart woman and a deep researcher, realized that the the drugs he was taking – actually was protective against COVID. And remarkably, neither she or her husband got COVID until last Christmas because she was taking the preventative uh, things that Dr. Ben Marble um, and I guess the uh, frontline doctors were suggesting uh, as preventative. But anyway, uh, he ended up in West Florida Hospital, and the first hospitalist assigned to his case um Told the the couple that yes, indeed that uh, he prescribes ivermectin that is effective uh, for patients with COVID. However, the hospital would not allow him to treat with COVID. But he went ahead and asked the administration um, to make an exception in this case. They never saw that hospitalist again. Um, he progressively got more oxygen I think he was on BiPAP within 24 hours or slightly more um, they put it at a hundred percent they gave him a, a sedative that turned out to be uh, something that he his body did not tolerate well he became combative uh, so he went from the cannula to the BiPAP in that early portion Um the the wife realized that it was actually the the drug that was causing him to be combative because that was not his personality he was taken off of it but never off the BiPAP. Uh the respiratory therapist and i think she said that there were five different ones uh, i think three of the five were actually people that relied on their skill and experience and kept encouraging the doctors to bring the oxygen down instead of 100 percent it came down to 70 percent um but anyway so that what happened never <laughs> allowed the ivermectin yeah. um uh i guess seven days into it they were recognizing that his hemoglobin for the the previous two i guess from days seven and eight the hemoglobin was dropping so they were worried about a bleed but this man had never received nutrition until I believe it was day seven, may have been day eight. Yes, yeah, that, that's what. This and is- uh, he ended up getting a blood transfusion, which I I said to her, you know, it's probably going to be vaxed blood. Um, his blood type was A negative. My husband's was A negative. She investigated to see if my husband could be a donor. The hospital wouldn't help. The blood bank said it would be take, take two weeks to process. He died two and a half hours after the blood transfusion.
1: Mm. that's crazy
3: yeah that's um, so scary about the whole vaxed blood versus unvaxed blood because
0: okay.
3: you know you don't just die quickly after transfusion unless you didn't type it properly so you have to wonder
0: well let's talk about that yeah. for
4: a second if yeah, I have all the documents far. on his case I'd love for you to take a look at them oh, yeah. yeah. yeah yeah that's um, one
2: of the issues we raised in the book too was that um that your know, local blood banks, um, you know, there needs to be some action taken there to kind of protect against this. If you're if somebody is looking for an action item, you know, something that they can do to help this whole situation, it's dealing with the issue of of the the blood and the blood banks, and how can we, you know, make a difference there uh, to protect people, you know, from getting uh, blood that you know, may, may cause like fairly immediate death or other problems down the line. Um, and, you know, there have been different cases that have come up, uh, you know, recently uh, on this very issue where a patient or their family, uh, in the case of a child patient, uh, you know, wanted to have unbacked blood as part of the transfusion and they, um, there was a legal issue. Uh, about that and um, you know it's so it is a serious issue that that needs to be addressed well Hmm.
3: Ryan Cole is on the edge of getting an assay where you can test for spike protein because we don't have that yet and we need to have that because you, uh, you know even if you had the system to say Vax versus unvax you're relying on somebody being honest and it right. might not be. So you need to have a way of testing, it. and I guess we're getting very close to that. But then you have to have a system that wants to do it because I don't think they care, yes. and they think that we're all crazy you yeah. know, because they all went and got the jabs. There's yeah. a philosophical yeah. difference, and,
1: and right. too. Is this fear playing into this? Is this, a, is this like a fear-based medicine? Is that totally taken over the entire medical field?
3: I think it was. At this point, though, what, who said that thing about it's a fool, you know, it's harder to make a fool admit that they were wrong. You know, they,
0: they've they been duped
3: and they don't want to admit it, so they're going to hold fast to what they recommended. Plus, you know, if you're a physician or a nurse, and say you're a nurse and you administered a lot of remdesivir, you know, or you were the ones giving the shots, how do you live with that knowing that you were giving a kill shot? You know, you're actually poisoning people. Yeah, it's easier have you to, to say, people about
1: that for the uh, book? Pardon? Did you talk to people for the book about that? That's a is a great question. I asked. I'm owning the same thing myself.
2: Yeah. Well, we do uh, um, have a, a chapter right at the beginning of the book um, that is a word of caution as well as a word of encouragement uh, for those who have received the shots or administered the shots or or even just recommended the shots. Um, you know if if those who have administered or recommended it, you know, read the book and realize that, oh, uh, what have I done? Yeah, that can create some serious, you know, emotional issues. And we do address that and, and try to encourage people that, hey, you know, there's, there's no need to um, fearful or, or have guilt and stuff because the, all the emotional issues can be healed. I mean, there's forgiveness. There is mercy You know, if the person is willing to acknowledge that, oh, uh, you know, I made a mistake, I didn't have the information that I should have had uh, before I recommended this or before I administered this, you know. And so just a lot of strong emotions may come up actually as a result of reading the book and, and, um, you know, discovering uh, all these things that we lay out about what's really going on uh, with the vaccines. Uh, and so, yeah, we do try to address that, and, and that's one of the issues too. we'll, we'll deal with at this event that we're, we're planning for February 18th is to help address some of the emotional issues and, and healing from those so that people don't have to continue living you know, with, with guilt or remorse or fear or trauma and you know all those negative emotions that are also a drag on your physical health.
1: Yeah, let's talk about that event uh, while we're talking about it now. And uh, Patty, if you're involved with that, I'd like to know too. Um, and then I've got I've got tons of more questions for you. Uh, getting back to the book about especially big pharma, uh, what uh, what what they're really not telling us. But uh, tell me about the event, the where's the when's, who's going to be there. Um, let's go, Sally Deb, and, and then Patty. Okay,
2: um, so uh, I've been
5: organizing a
2: free event uh, to be held all day Saturday, February eighteenth. And it's entitled um, Vaxxed or Unvaxed, An Awakening and Healing Experience. Uh, It's going to be held in Santa Rosa Beach, Florida, in the Mm -hmm. panhandle here, uh, at uh, Vision Church at Christian International on Highway 98. And it's an all-day event from 9.30 to 5.30, and doors will open at 9 o'clock. And uh, there's two main themes, uh, as I mentioned, awakening and healing. And... Um, the awakening part is based on our book uh, that we were just talking about, the COVID-19 vaccines and beyond, what the medical industrial complex is not telling us. And because um, there are some very important things that people need to know uh, now in 2023 about uh, COVID, the vaccines, and, um, you know, including the big picture that all things COVID fit into. So that's the awakening portion. But then the healing portion, um, you know, there's sort of natural ways, and then there's supernatural ways of healing. And, and Deb, uh, Dr. Deb is going to be addressing, you know, some of the, the treatments and, and protocols. Uh, she can describe more about that. Uh, she's going to be addressing it from that perspective. And then I'll be uh, uh, dealing with other forms of the uh, healing ministry um, because, uh some of these issues um you know may not be able to be resolved by even the best that the the um healthcare community has to offer and for various other reasons we really need the power of god uh more than ever before uh to intervene you know in uh this current uh climate that we're in and these uh, these situations that seem to just be impossible to make changes. But, um, so we really want to create an atmosphere uh, where people can experience the, the presence of God, the power of God, the love of God, and the healing of God. Um, so it, it's creating an atmosphere as well as providing at, um, the uh, important information that, that people need to know with, well, what do we do from here on out? Uh, concerning. Oh, I've got the some vaccine.
1: ideas. I'll tell you my yeah. ideas a little bit. You know exactly what I want yeah. to do. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. So there are some, some things that people need to know about that. So um, you know, we want people to come away from this experience with real fresh hope and encouragement um, that you know the negative in- impacts of the last few years can be reversed, and uh, God is doing divine reversals in amazing ways. And nothing's impossible for him. So we want people to come away feeling really hopeful. And and also, um, regardless of whether a person is vaxxed or unvaxxed, you know, we want them all to feel welcome and that there's no judgment or condemnation, regardless of which choice you made. It's just, you know, let's come together. We've got these issues, you know, that affect all of us concerning COVID and the vaccines. And can we do and, you know, from here, we want to, you know, bring that atmosphere of healing. So without anybody feeling uncomfortable or judged or mm. condemned, you know, regardless of which decision they made.
1: Yes. Do you have a website?
2: Oh, yes. And so um, it's uh, com. So that's dot com and uh, you can register there and um there's other information all the details that you need about it and uh, as well as an email if you have questions um but we are asking people to register online even though it's a free event uh, no charge to attend um we uh really would appreciate people to register in advance especially by Wednesday the 15th if possible uh to event on the 18th uh, so that we have a rough idea of how many people to prepare for and uh, print up materials that everyone can have. So uh, again, the event is Saturday the 18th from um, the doors open at 9 and the event goes to about 530. And um, we'll be covering those two themes of awakening and healing. And uh, we'll have Dr. Deborah They're in person, um, Dr. Jim Thorpe by video uh, appearing, and myself and uh, a few other speakers as well.
1: Okay, wonderful. Um, Dr. Deb, I kind of like that title. (laughs) It seems to fit. Tell me what you're doing. Tell me all about it.
3: Well, I will be uh, going through some of the mechanisms of the spike protein and how it's injuring the body, and uh, then going through... Uh some of the nutritional recommendations uh various supplements that are recommended, some of the medications. but what I really want to get into are um i guess the whole choline and chicken thing that's going on and um what's that the uh well, it's interesting, but let me finish and then uh I'm
2: sorry
0: yeah.
3: autophagy, which is the way the body eliminates waste. Uh, old things things that don't belong and that's where the focus is is getting the body to recognize uh, the abnormal uh, messenger RNA or the DNA or the spike protein and to get it out of the body and that's where cold therapy comes in Um, fasting is one of the tried-and-true methods but I would sooner as much as everybody goes oh you must like cold no I don't like cold I don't like cold at all I, I live in Florida for a reason but yeah. I would rather jump in a cold pool or I, you know, not a nice bath maybe because you only have to be 59 or below. Right now my pool is at 61, but it's still cold. But do that for two or three minutes as opposed to fasting for 16 hours every day. I just nah, – that's not – that's I like what
1: to eat I do. Too much. I do that now. You and do? Well I'm, I'm, well, I'm losing weight. and, and uh, Well, I gained a ton of weight. I had open heart surgery. They repaired a mitral valve, and we've talked about this before. And I gained, I don't know, 100, 150 pounds or some ridiculous amount of weight. Most of it's gone. I've wow. got about 30, 40 more to go. But I did the fasting thing. So I'm up at 4 in the morning, so my, my dining hours are 4 a.m. till noon. And after that, I just, you know, wow. drink water. Well, it's also good. painful, but, you know, it's not that much willpower. It hurts, but, you know, it works. So. Yeah. I'm, you, know, yeah. it, you know, then I can go on uh, other stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, I want to, there's just a ton of things I want to ask about the pharmaceutical industry, but, uh, uh, Patty, are you, is, is Gulf Coast Patriots, Gulf Coast Patriots. I'll get that right someday. Are you involved with this uh, event at all or do you have other stuff going on?
4: I, I am not actually, I'll be out of town, uh, at an RPOF quarterly meeting, uh, in Orlando.
1: Oh, okay. Well, hopefully we'll, uh, you know is there is going, um Sally, are you gonna make a video presentation to this? Is it available online for people to watch it? Are you simulcasting, zooming or anything mm-hmm. like that?
2: Um, we won't be able to do that, but we are uh, recording the event and um uh, okay. the videos of the speakers' messages will be available, and also we're going to have several um like music videos and other just some real powerful uh, videos that uh we can give the links to if uh if people go to the website uh sallysaxon.com um, we'll have it posted uh there so they can get the the second best way of you know getting the uh experience that we're trying to create for people
1: Okay, I'll post your website too. I've got uh, our, we have our Action Radio Vaccine page, which is private, just for obvious reasons, that so people don't want to sabotaging it. And some other uh, places we can post that as well. Let's get to something. Uh, I talked to Dr. Deb about the. Um, the the problems with the vaccine and, and it, well the snake oil jab uh, so we pretty much know that but I don't think we've ever really gotten into how evil how psychotic these folks at big pharma are and this recent video from Project Veritas really illustrates that these people are as callous and greedy and they just don't care and, and so what insight yeah. did you get when you when you when you looked into these people's hearts you know and you wrote this book what did you find about big pharma so what's that one uh, it's 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 both just of
3: you, sickening. You go through this okay. process, which we address a little bit, as cognitive dissonance. I mean, my whole mm-hmm. life I believed in the system, you know, and I, I kind of got a little bit out of it as I started realizing, you know, the side effects of the drugs and realizing there were more um, holistic, natural ways to heal people. But I mm-hmm. still had overall trust, you know, in the whole whole system. And hmm. it just unraveled I, it, that they would – do things that they knew were going to harm us so that they could get, make money off of it. I and mean, we mm-hmm. had a first kind of example of that with Vioxx when it came out. By the way, I love that What's drug. That? It worked really well. It oh, was, what was an it? anti-inflammatory like ibuprofen, but it was one of the COX-2 inhibitors. And uh, Pfizer, was it Pfizer or Merck? One of them knew that mm-hmm. it, whoever put it out knew that it was going to cause heart attacks. But they did the math and figured they'd make more money. They'd have to take it off the market, and they'd have to do some payouts, but they were going to make more money in the long run if they went ahead and launched it.
1: No, oh, bean counters. Looks like the Ford Pinto. They got to fix the Ford Pinto for 9 bucks, yeah. right? And they said that the bean counters you know, got their actuarial tables, and they realized that the lawsuits wouldn't, accumulate, wouldn't be as, as, as costly as, the, uh, as moving the, uh, the gas tank up nine inches. So they didn't do it. And I remember writing in a Ford Pinto Then I heard about this afterwards. It's quite
0: interesting. Yeah.
1: But this is now this is the worst of corporate mentality. Now, corporations like this, a lot of good companies out there, but there are certain ones that feel that they're immune. And we'll talk about liability in a second. But there's a certain mentality that you have to work for. Is this a corporate culture? Do they look for people like this? Are they all, you know, I noticed that the FDA chair ended up at Pfizer. You know, so there's a revolving door. It's like they serve their masters and they yeah. to work for them. Uh, so... Is that all part of it, too? Is this a corporate psychology? They just don't care. I mean, at all.
3: I, I know. I I found that out with NutraSweet. Um, same What's deal. That? The guy that got it, the uh, NutraSweet, the artificial sweetener, mm-hmm. the um, they, the guy, that president of
0: the,
3: or he was on the FDA, and then he became the president of NutraSweet company. It causes seizures in 20% of the population. They don't even have a warning on their oh, wow. label.
1: Uh, yeah. are, are people, uh, are pilots uh, having NutraSweet with their coffee? I know they had aspartame was a problem. Is that the same thing?
3: Well, that's how I found out about it. It was an Air Force pilot who actually developed seizures because of NutraSweet, and it ruined his career. He did all the research and then um, lobbied Congress, just did all kinds of things to get them to call the world's attention to it, to get it taken off the market or at least a warning put on it, and they didn't do
1: anything. <sighs> mm. Yeah. yeah, now I've had both. We had uh, Dr. Kevin Stillwagon, who's a chiropractor, and an uh, airline pilot. Uh, he was forced out. We had uh, Josh Yoder um, the next day. We've been sort of like doing, doing airline pilots last week. I've got a flight instructor certificate, so I'm well aware of this. In fact, I just renewed it recently uh, and hope to be flying again. But there's a special thing about pilots. One, they're carrying passengers way up high, uh, and two, uh, the, they're they they're in an oxygen you reduce the environment anyway because those cabins are pressurized uh-huh. to about eight thousand feet. So we're talking at least three thousand feet above Denver, okay? And it's just like standing uh-huh. on an eight thousand uh-huh. foot mountain. So let's let's combine the oxygen deprivation plus masks that uh, these people the passengers are wearing, so they're oxygen deprived. You throw in some alcohol that a passenger has a drink or two on board, which sends them for a loop anyway because it's reduced oxygen plus a COVID jab. Let's pull all that together. Deborah, what's going on? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah.
0: there've
3: been several pilots that have died in the cockpit. Um, mm-hmm. I actually flew, uh, I guess it was 2020 and there was a guy I'd say roughly in his late thirties, early forties that started have stroke like symptoms. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, had he had the jab and he did. And I had him, you know, give him aspirin and, and oxygen. And this other doctor came up and looked at me like I was crazy when I was asking him about the jab. And I told him, I said, look, this is causing strokes and heart attacks. Please don't get another one. This other doctor just was looking at me with the big eyes, you know, like, what? Because he didn't mm-hmm.
1: know. Of, yeah, did not, no, better. he had not looked into it. And here's the thing, too. I think this goes back to Brian. You remember Brian Sicknick in January 6th? I guess
3: it would have been 2021 because the vaccines went out in 2020. Okay.
1: Wow. So you remember remember Brian Sicknick, who was the cop that they said was beat by a fire extinguisher by Trump supporters on January 6th? Capitol Hill got the COVID jab mid-December of 2020. This was January 6th, 2021, about three weeks later. It seems to me that two strokes and an otherwise healthy individual in his 40s who's law enforcement, who's been physically checked anyways to be able to do the job, seems to me he was the first public person to die of the COVID jab. And no one's talking about that. Well, we are.
3: Yeah. hmm Right.
1: What's amazing mm-hmm. how
3: many people, they don't, they're not tying all these heart attacks and strokes and sudden deaths to the shot. I, mean, I was talking to somebody last week about, you know, handling the um, football player. She goes, well, I just thought it was because he got hit hard in the chest. I said, watch the tackle. He was not hit hard
1: He made the tackle. Folks, he made the tackle. You know, he's the one that brought the player yeah. down. Yeah.
3: But they just bought what the news media was saying. Yeah.
1: Well, it, it, you hear the same thing often enough, and people tend to repeat it. Like uh, It's like people saying that uh, you know, Supreme Court uh, justices, when the Constitution says judges, have lifetime appointments, when they says when it says good behavior. They never look at the source. And these doctors, uh, there should be something in the medical ethics that you have to actually ask a question once in a while. So let me ask a question uh-huh. of, of, of Sally here. Airline liability. We know that Big Pharma has no liability for the vaccines, but I don't think airlines have that same you know, what I would consider an illegal, immoral, com- criminally negligent um, benefit. The airlines are liable for what uh, what they do. Uh, so legal perspective, right. what's going on here? Can they be sued? What's uh, Pilot dies in the cockpit. They knew the jab was dangerous, or they should have now. Uh, how does liability work in terms of criminal negligence? Can you explain that? I don't know if that's your field of law or not.
2: Well, not specifically, but uh, the thing there is proving causation. Um, okay. I mean, there there would be lawsuits anyway if, like, there were a crash uh, as a result of something happening to the pilot in midair. Uh, mm-hmm. But then, you know, trying to prove, was that just negligent or was that just something totally unrelated to the jab? And, and that may be very difficult to do, um, especially if they don't do autopsies or, you know, things, kind of determination as to what the real cause of death was. And, mm-hmm. um and so, you know, that's that's an issue there. I mean, certainly, uh, you know, if, if there was some negligence on the part of the airline uh, that could be proved, you know, there's compensation. I'm not sure, actually, when there is a plane crash for any reason, even if it was just equipment malfunction, uh, you know, then there's multiple lawsuits. Uh, against the manufacturers of the different parts, like the engine manufacturers, or, or whoever, whatever that they determined the cause was. Uh, mm-hmm. So you get into those factors, and um, hmm. so if there was a problem, it would be it would be really challenging to prove that it was a result of the pilot, you know, getting a jab. Um,
1: Even the you know, pilot it, dies. <laughs> the pilot dies on the flight deck. You're thousand feet. Um, right. the well, individual what, uh, I'd be looking at the jab
2: yeah well yeah we would we would say you should look into that, but mm-hmm. um you know what if they that, what if they uh are cremated or something without an autopsy and you know how are you going to prove even if even if you have the evidence that they did get the jab mm-hmm. how do you how do you prove that that's what actually caused the guy to die, you know, in the cockpit. I know Ryan Cole's
3: working on ways and he already has ways if they get an autopsy that he can show that, but that's again, you know, they have to get the autopsy. And I would imagine they would be encouraged not to,
0: right, oh, yeah. in well, that Brian, situation. but I don't I try to Always fly, yeah.
3: I try to fly just Delta and Southwest because they didn't mandate it because I'm petrified to get on the airplane and it's not just them. All the stewardesses, everybody. You know, flight attendants. They, you know, the other airlines mandated it.
1: It Southwest problem though. I thought Southwest did. I mean, I could be wrong, but we. I remember some. No, no, they were the ones
3: that went on strike. Remember?
1: Oh, okay. Because they weren't going to do it, and
3: then Delta decided, based on what Southwest did, that they weren't going to mandate it. Hmm.
1: Too bad you can't ask for a jab-free crew. Or, you know, you have them give their yeah. status. Or or as I was suggesting, anybody with flight experience, like I'm a flight instructor. and I've I haven't only flown twin-engine piston aircraft, but I'll tell you, you, put me in the cockpit of a 737, I'll learn how to land it. You know, I'll be on to yeah. uh, the folks on the ground say, hey, teach me how to land this. And airplane's an airplane. Same Ooh. flight controls. It's just bigger and faster. You know, I just I'll, I can do some on-the-job mm-hmm. training. Um, but I think people with flight experience should report to the flight crew. There should be something on, uh, on the passenger list just in case, especially if you're unvaccine injured. Yeah. Okay. Just yeah, a thought. that was a
0: good
1: Just idea. Yeah. Can we change our language too? I mean, we, we talk about vaxxed and unvaxxed, and, and I and I, I think I was one of the early ones to come up with the term vaccine injured, but now it seems to be catching on. But it really is, uh, and this would be a whole oh. branch of medicine of a vaccine recovery. Dr. Mm-hmm. Depp, is anything happening? I mean, you, you're kind of specializing in that now. But is that a growing thing? Are people asking, "I've got the jab, how do I recover?" You know, uh, what kind of oh, take nutrition? So what's going on? Tell me.
0: Mm
3: -hmm. No, people are asking all the time. I mean, every day I get phone calls. It's, Hmm. it's crazy. Well, and another thing too, we haven't even talked about is the shedding. Mm -hmm. Um, I had somebody come in a local business. uh, She works the business with her husband, um, homeschools her kids. So really doesn't get out and about had not had COVID had never Mm -hmm. flown before and took a flight to Boston came back and went into full-fledged myocarditis, pericarditis, um, and they, everybody's just shrugging their shoulders. They don't know. Bedridden. This was a previously healthy person. How old? She sat near somebody on the airplane, probably right. newly vaxxed, and was shed on, and she had really no resistance to it at all because she hadn't been out and about the last two, three years. Gotcha. Right. Yeah, so I'm treating her, you know, along with the – you know, the FLCC protocol for vaccine injured. They looked at me FLCC? like here in the headlights and I said, it fits the picture. There's nothing else to fit. Yeah. Mm.
1: FLCC, what's that? I always like to get definitions out.
3: FLCCC, it, it's a critical care alliance that uh, Pierre Corey started with. Um, Dolly can help me remember some of the other people. Yeah. But they have okay. a website. Um,
1: Simone Gold, Phil Emanuel.
3: COVID protocols, long-haul protocols. Okay. um, uh, vaccine injured protocols, you know, just to give people suggestions of what to do. It's a very good resource.
1: Yeah,
3: yeah that's the yeah, first one.
1: America's Frontline Doctors. Yeah, I remember I'd like to get Simone Gold on the show because she's an attorney too and a doctor. So she'd be the perfect person to talk about our legislation. You, you two are free to bring up uh, any topic you want. Don't wait for me to ask the question. Uh, I have plenty, but you know, I'd rather hear what you guys have to say. Um, Let me ask one more, though, while I'm here. Has anybody done a study or done a count of all the folks who were treated successfully with ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, um, any of the other treatments that are out there, as opposed to those that died under the uh, remdesivir ventilator death march? And the greatest evidence to me that early treatments work is all the people that are still here versus the, the tragedies of the people that were lost using the government protocol who are not here. Has that ever been because that would be the, the clearest example the government medicine sucks basically when it's ordered
2: yeah yeah well actually our book uh, includes some of the statistics from doctors like uh, Peter McCullough uh, okay. uh, Dr. Farid and, and Tyson and mm-hmm. uh, you know and Dr. Uh, Richard Bartlett and uh, yeah Corey and others who uh, used some of those alternative uh, treatments like hydroxychloroquine ivermectin and budesonide and there are some data in there as to how many um, patients recovered when they got early treatment with those drugs and so they were saying like I think it's up to Debbie can correct me up to maybe 85% of those uh, of hospitalizations and deaths from COVID could have been um, avoided uh, if people had gotten early treatment with You know, some of those medications and all those medications, by the way, are on the World Health Organization's list of essential medicines. And, you know, in earlier years, they were all raved about, all considered, you know, very safe and uh, on the who's list of essential medicines. And then all of a sudden COVID comes around and they change their tune. Uh, You know, the FDA said, no, no, it's dangerous. And
1: do you know uh, why? I have a theory.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, it's very clear. We we addressed that in the book, too. Okay. Uh I don't want to give away all the book, but uh
1: Okay. Well, but you can hold back. But it has, <laughs> feel free. Yeah,
2: but it no, but it has to do with um getting emergency use
1: authorization
2: for the shots. Mm-hmm. And uh, which is something that they could not have gotten if there had been any um available um uh, effective uh, you know, remedies or treatments. Uh, for uh, for COVID, so that's why they had to keep saying there there not there are no effective remedies you know and they would just send people home uh, who came to the emergency room for treatment and say there's nothing we can do go home and then if you have trouble breathing come on back uh, and so in the meantime people like uh, Dr McCullough and <clears throat> Dr Corey and and uh, all those other uh, doctors uh, and and Zvezdilenko. Uh, were treating people, you know, with uh, hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin or budesonide, and uh, they experienced almost, and Ben Marble uh, experienced almost no deaths, almost no deaths, and uh, very few hospitalizations. And the statistics were amazing. Even out of India, where one whole state there of, I think it was over 200 million people,
0: that they they
2: they gave ivermectin <laughs> to everybody and uh it pratica- practically wiped out you know covid in that whole how about that? big area yeah so there's all kinds of evidence there and the and those doctors have some you know statistics about their uh the the it, the effect on their patients and how they recovered and very few were hospitalized or died if they got the early treatment
1: and nobody in government cared. The Congress didn't care. You know, Trump didn't know he, he was lied to, but he could have looked into it more. Uh, this is a scandal of epic proportions. Uh, the way I sum it up, and I've talked about this on the show, I hope I'm not giving away your book, but it's they took the legal and approved drugs that were readily available, made them basically illegal so they could take something that would otherwise be illegal in order to make it legal so they can make god awful profits. Uh, and they didn't care how many people died in the process. Is that about right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. And okay. when you, you know, the average person would think, well, how how could they not care? You know, what happens to people? I mean, why would they do that? Why would they send people away from the ER uh-huh. without treating them? It's like, I believe it was Dr. Richard Erso who said, you know, since when have we not been able to treat inflammation or respiratory issues? You know? And all the things that people were complaining of that that were not being treated, if people went to the ER, and and he says we've had remedies and treatments for those things, you know, all along, and but now all of a sudden, you know, can't can't use those, and um, so that whole issue of the motives and what you mentioned earlier, Greg, about uh, you know the evil, I mean
0: mm-hmm.
2: that that's what it comes down to. And so that's, that's what people uh, need to realize um, because it's like Hitler taught, you know, the big lie is a lot easier for people to believe than the little lies. And so there were so many big lies that the lies about all things COVID were easier uh, uh, to, uh, to believe than just little lies. So, um, you know, that's, that's, one of the things that's very sad about this this whole situation, and you know the trust we used to be able to have in you know the FDA, as Deb was talking about, and CDC, you know, people, we, institutions we trusted, with things as important as our health, uh, but uh, the way they just totally uh, ignored all the safety signals that were blaring, even from January 2021. Right. right after the vaccine rollout in mid to, to late December of 2020, by 20 uh, by January of 2021, they had enough safety signals blaring from the vaccine uh, adverse event reporting system that should have shut down the vaccine campaign way back then. That's over two years ago now. Yeah. And yeah, compared with how yeah, the, they had billboards everywhere saying it's safe
3: and effective, safe and effective, and they knew. I forget the yeah. figure. How many died in the first month? It was incredible. Was it like over a thousand people? Well, you in know. the
2: first in Pfizer's first report through the end of February 2021, there was uh, 1,223 deaths that were reported
0: uh-huh.
2: uh, yeah. after the vaccine. Yeah. But but that's right. probably an un- well, that's how many Pfizer. Uh, reported right actually that you know in Pfizer's own documents they say okay as of february 28th 2021 uh we've had reports of you know 1223 deaths after the vaccine right and that's just there yeah. that's just Pfizer and then they kept saying safe and effective
3: and then mandated it when they knew it was killing people that's what's just so mind boggling and it still is and yeah, if it's safe that and are effective, they wouldn't have to the mandate it.
1: <laughs> That's the other thing. If yeah, it's safe well, and effective, people they that, that people are it, it willingly. Them.
3: Yeah. Yeah, they don't. They don't get it. Well,
1: what, happened yeah. the, and, what happened? What happened in the 1990s? Like I had a daughter, you know, uh, mid 1990s, uh, and she wasn't vaccinated. We already knew these things were bad because I remember Gulf War syndrome, and I think Deborah and I have probably talked uh-huh. about this you know, squalene the whole yeah. bit and all the adjuvants and everything else and all this stuff I learned about years and years ago. So there was a big push in the 90s not to vaccine, you know, kids either. Did people forget? Uh-huh. Just collective memory went up. Because I didn't forget. I don't forget things like that.
3: No, I think they did. And, and the, the push, you know, again, they, uh-huh. you know, billboard things like that. Get your, you know, children vaccinated and know that nothing to do with autism. You know, they said it, it didn't, <laughs> but it's like. It has to do with it, and it's not just mercury. It's just the the number of shots. It's brain inflammation. These kids can't handle that many shots at that age. The brain's not developed.
1: So where's the malpractice? Is it because it's government and they're immune? Is, it, is the FDA yeah, and yeah, well, the CDC immune also?
3: We, yeah, okay, we've us to about, make them right. liable.
1: Yeah. All right. So let's talk about that for a minute, because the last question was, you know, what do you want the book to accomplish? But there's two bills. Uh, I know Deborah's familiar with them, Sally. I'm not sure if you had a chance to really go over them. Yep. Vaccine product liability and ending big tech censorship. They're one page. They're very simple. You know, the vaccine bill says we just take out the word not when it says they shall not be liable. We just take out not and say they shall be fully liable. Very simple bill.
0: Mm-hmm. What do you think? Can, yep. you, can
1: you do a supplement oh, to your book that would you know, or, or the online version or can you bring it up at the event and say, you know, for those that want to do something, you know, here's a bill. You know, write Congress, write media, write everybody and send this out to all your friends and have them do it. We need a national lobbying campaign. And I, quite frankly, I don't have the budget for a national lobbying campaign. I'm trying to get the national trial lawyers involved. I'm trying to get Jeff Childers should be on the show fairly soon. I'm talking his office too. But we need a national campaign that is as big. You know, if Elon Musk could just like save one of his billion dollars, you know, from buying Twitter and, and you know, send it to a lobbying campaign mm-hmm. for my big tech bill. And the big tech bill basically says uh, this another simple bill. Yeah, big techs immune from anything that you do on social media or anything you do from a search. Okay, they're immune from that because they're just providing the service. But it says if they touch anything that you post or any part of your account, or if they arrest the search engines in any results in any way other than the raw number of hits, then they lose their liability immunity and you can sue their asses off. So both of these things are cured by bringing liability to people that are otherwise immune. And those are my curious. It's very simple, very straightforward. and The courts will take care of it cuz people have just like they did with Big Tobacco. Deb, do you remember the story of Big Tobacco? It, 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 can we learn some lessons from that yeah. in terms of liability?
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, I'm just curious.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh. Are yeah. You, are you they're, they're still, what happened here? I don't are know. Still here? We're
3: just all right. like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank yeah. you.
1: Okay, so so where can people get the book? Let's let's talk about that. And what do you want to accomplish with it? What's what's what was the goal here?
2: Okay, so uh, again, the book is available through Amazon, and uh, it's called "The COVID-19 Vaccines and Beyond: What the Medical Industrial Complex Is Not Telling Us." And so, myself, Sally Saxon, um, Dr. Deborah Viglione, and Dr. James Thorpe are the uh, listed as the authors. Uh, get it through Amazon. And, um, actually we have kind of a mission here, um, uh, too, that, um, you know, the, the original reason behind the book was to get this kind of information into the hands of people who really need it the most, like, Mm -hmm. especially in the healthcare community, you know, the people who are still believing that these are safe and effective. And, um, so, you know, our mission in trying to get this into their hands, um, you know, is difficult because those are not people who would normally hear about the book, much less buy the book. So the mission is we're asking people, you know, not only to buy a copy for themselves so that they are much better informed about the issues, mm-hmm. but, you know, please buy a copy for your health care provider. Or other health, you know, healthcare professionals, uh, as well as the other people who are still believing the safe and effective narrative, uh, but especially in the healthcare community. So if 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 we have a whole bunch of people who are buying an extra copy to put directly into the hands of uh, the healthcare providers who who need this information the most, they're much more likely to kind of open it up and start reading a little bit, you know, than if nobody you know, put that information right uh, into their hands. So um, that's kind of a mission we're on because, you know, we're giving away books as well, but we our reach only goes so far. So we need help from other people who will, you know, help us um, put the books in the hands of people who need it the most. And then um, uh, so that's uh, at Amazon. And then um, this February 18th event that we have, uh, mm-hmm. Again, go to uh, uh and find out more information, and you can register online. Uh-huh.
1: I'm just making a quick note here. I, have, I know a couple of people in media haven't been on some, uh, some progressively bigger shows myself, so well, let's do something. Well, how about these like re- the Reawaken America tours, the things, you know, we've had Peter McCall on the show. You know, we've had, uh, we had our world's greatest doctors panel for 18 weeks, which is unbelievable. So there needs to be a massive push nationwide, and I'm not sure, you know, why this hasn't happened. Yeah. Maybe they, they just don't see the profit in it or something like that. But where, you know, where, where are the big media folks? Where, where are the big, the networks you think would cover this? Even, well, one American news does a good job. Newsmax, not so much. Uh, Fox, God knows what they're doing right now. But uh, where's the national media? <laughs> I mean, you'd think this would be a huge story. One would say where the investigative yeah. reporters, you know, where, where the yeah. journal, real journalists, you know, college interns are well... the best. We need, we need, we need some hotshot that wants to make a name for themselves as a reporter.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, right. as, as you know, you know, the major media is also controlled, you know, by the, the same people who are pulling the strings, you know, in Big Pharma and and uh, all the other parts of the medical industrial complex that uh with, you know, a few exceptions, uh, you're not going to hear the major media reporting about this, but I think there is the dam is breaking a little bit. Okay. Uh but there's still a long ways to go uh before <clears throat> that'll happen. So it it's more by programs like yours and word of mouth or putting the information in the hands of people who need it the most and, mm-hmm. um, and you know, this kind of a
1: grassroots effort. Yeah. I think, Patty, yeah. do you have a point you wanted to make?
4: Well, Bobby Kennedy Jr. pointed it out. He had a conversation with the president of Fox, and this has been a number of years ago. The gentleman has passed on. But Mm -hmm. 70% of the revenue that uh, the news organizations receive are from Big Pharma. On Capitol Hill, if you try to bring anything forward, you'll get squashed because Big Pharma is now the biggest lobbyist on Capitol Hill times three it used to be insurance companies before that it was oil companies right now mm-hmm. big pharma owns owns people and as far as well, people I, in the industry they're yeah. great people i have two wonderful friends but they don't know what everybody else is doing so and that and huh. that's by design you know the, even when they do the studies the studies um, they pull out the information that doesn't go along with the narrative. So it, it's very, we need God's help in this, no doubt. Yeah. And then there's the Trusted News
2: Initiative to, uh, that's kind of a, a collusion between major media organizations and social media uh, you know, to censor you know, information and control uh, what information uh, is released uh, through their organizations Uh, their companies uh, about all things COVID. Uh, And so they don't even try to hide their collusion anymore. It's right out there in the open. But they get away with it because they have such control over everything.
1: Well, that's why I started people. Action Radio. I mean, you have defined it, that the Congress would never write the bills we're writing. They'd never write My Big Tech bill. They'd never write yeah. uh, the vaccine product liability bill. So so this is why uh, people say, well, you haven't got any bills passed yet. Well, yeah, because it's got to come from the people to media uh, in overwhelming numbers to, to make it so that they can't not pass it. That's the only way this is going to work. So we need huge, mm-hmm. right. and I mean Greg. huge amounts of lobbying. Yes, go ahead.
4: It really needs to go the individual legislators and we need to be following the lead of Governor DeSantis and our new um, Surgeon General, um, Latipo. He mm-hmm. is fearless and I follow his Twitter and this is where it needs to happen. It can happen at the state level because the Capitol Hill is owned, but at the state level, uh, we've been able to keep out the vaccine or at least keep the okay. exemption. For childhood vaccines, we have three, medical, religious, and philosophical. Right. Um, so I think it really needs to be done to bring, bringing the information to the individual legislatures, legislators, state level.
1: Okay. So just I'm trying to keep my voices separate. Is this Patty? Yes. Okay. So what I want to do, I'd love to have lobbyists. Uh, in fact, if any of your folks want to become lobbyists for citizen legislation, we can work with them directly, and they can go uh, to Tallahassee. Uh, I've tried to get you don't have Dr. to have Lod- okay. you
4: don't have to have paid lobbyists. I, I lobby I'm not twice a year.
1: I'm not talking paid no. lobbyists. <laughs> we, I can't pay anybody. Yeah, yet. No. I'm going okay. to. Well, but what I'm saying know, is, they don't even all have, all have to do that. Every voter, uh-huh. every
4: voter has a voice. They have a vote, and mm-hmm. that equates to there, it's a, there's a multiplier. <laughs> So if you make an in-person visit versus an email versus a written note, whatever it is, uh, those are multiplied. So legislators understand that. So I, I think at the state level, it's really better because you've got a smaller pool of voters. And so when you get 10 people from every district or 20 or 30 or more, that has a huge impact.
1: Yeah. Well, Dr. Latypov was scheduled for the show before the November elections, and I'm trying to get with the person that's booking him to get him back on or to get him rescheduled. So I've been mean, working on that. I mean, uh, he's wonderful. I'd love to work at the state level. I need I need to talk to somebody in the governor's office. You know, we, they, each of these bills, product liability um, for both well, product liability for the vaccine makers and uh, liability for for big tech could easily be done at the state level. So if you can help me with that, I mean, let's talk. You know, and the whole point, the easiest part about action radio is people don't have to be lobbyists. You just send the bill link in and say, I want this bill. And millions of people can do that. They've all got computers. They've all got email. You know, we don't, there's no organizational meetings. There's no, you know, do, there's no, you don't have to go anywhere. You can just do it from home. So we can take, a, you know, if you tell your folks and they tell other folks and we spread it around Florida, it wouldn't be too long before we have a viable force. And I think the governor would support it. I just need to talk to him myself. You know, I kind of missed him when he was here in Milton um, last week because I was doing the show at the same time. But uh, I would well, love to talk to him or somebody in difficult. the staff. Yeah, it's very
4: difficult to get time with the governor. He's a very busy guy. I oh, I'm sure coordinated um, submissions to people that were in uh, that wanted to attend because you've got to pass your name through the governor's <laughs> office before you can even enter the door. And I tried to arrange for two different meetings. Neither one of them happened because the man has such a busy schedule. Yeah, I don't you know think what, you though? need to go to the governor. You need to go to a legislator like okay. Dr. We're Joel Rudman. And, and that's happening. People are appealing uh-huh. to their legislators. Um, he's brand new. He's already taken uh, sponsored the recall bill. And, you know, you just need to appeal to individual legislators. The voter must. No, we're that. doing
1: that too. I mean, believe me, I've sent, I've sent our bill everywhere. Um, I've got um, – let's just get that, that one more time. Let's get the book title and where to find it and websites for the event. And then I've got Jonathan Mosley. I want to move over to uh, – uh, and, of course, you're all sure. welcome to stick around if you can. I, I'm sure Deborah has probably – Sally might have a little – bit. Now, Sally I was, we were going to talk okay. about something with Jonathan, and I've forgotten what it was. We'll have to see if I can capture that back again. So, Deborah, why don't you give your a last bit and then um, – and Patty, same thing. Well – Where to get – go ahead.
3: You know, there's so much, but we didn't okay. get into the chickens, so we'll have to do the chickens another time.
1: Oh, the chickens. Yes,
3: that they're, yes
6: they're... we did that, with
1: that. Okay, yeah. you've got to come back. Actually, you two are kind of good. Yeah. A, if you, you two want to come back on Monday mornings, this is fun. <laughs> this is a fun hour. <laughs> you know, so we'll think maybe maybe doing a, like two or three shows or something like that. Um, so, so, Deborah, how do folks get in touch with you? Do you have any public information websites um, or anything?
3: Best, best way is email deb deb Viglione, Big b i g l i o n e at gmail.
1: Okay, sounds good. And Patty, your group?
4: We're Gulf Coast Patriots. I'm also the state committee woman for Santa Rosa County. Um, so I, you know, we meet on the third Monday of every month at Lillo's Tuscan Grill. Our next uh, February 20th is our next meeting. It'll be a larger meeting. Dr. Clements, uh, a professor of law from New Mexico, is going to speak on um, what we need to do as voters to take
1: back our country because it, you know, I know it's what being to do.
4: plundered.
1: I know exactly what to do. Uh, and that's the thing, too, I want to talk to the governor. I mean, I know he's a busy guy. I know he has a crazy schedule. But quite frankly, we're the world's only citizen legislative service attached to radio. We're it. And we're right here in Milton, Florida, in Matt Gates' District. We're right here in Joel Rudman's, you know, state district uh, and the state, our state senator. And we have two senators, Rubio and uh, uh, Rick Scott. You know, we have uh, – who's got paper rustling? <laughs> it's like Rush Limbaugh. Stop your rustling. <laughs> anyway, but we're it. We're it. We're, we're, literally, we're it, you know, as far as what we do. And so this is why I think it would be worth talking to, uh, um, talking to the governor. All right, so if you're not chatting, if you can mute yourself, you're welcome to stick around. And like I said, whoever's rustling papers.
3: All right. Well, like thanks, grandma. Greg.
1: <laughs> okay. Thanks very much. Thanks, ladies. Take care, everybody. Okay. Thank
2: you. Yeah. Right, I'll we'll sit, see. I'll we'll stick around for a, a few more minutes.
1: Okay. Good. Thank you, Sally. Do you remember yes, we talked about sure. what, what it was that we were going to do? I, I know we were going to talk to Jonathan about something. Do you remember? We were
2: talking about China. Something about China?
1: Well, I know we got the balloon thing. Did, did you have a, a balloon comment? I forgot what it was.
2: No. No,
1: I don't. <laughs> okay, I knew are we doing something. All right, anyway, hang on for a bit. We'll see if I can figure out what it was. I get so scatterbrained. Jonathan Mosley, welcome back. How are you doing, sir? What's going on?
7: How are you doing? Well, I don't know. Um, it's like I say, it's amazing how much is going on all the time. Um, so I was, thinking of, um, I was thinking of maybe we were talking offline a little bit about what to talk about because not that they're you know, and, and and it's not that we're not we don't have stuff to talk about. We just have too much, yeah. Um, so um, we'll see. So I was just thinking of doing it, doing an, a dance hour because like having a face. <laughs> you know,
1: a, let's tango. Yeah. Well, we got Sally Sachs on the line. Yeah. She's a co-author with Deborah Viglione of, of, of a COVID book we were just talking about in the previous hour. She's an attorney, also. So we got two of you now. So this is this is yeah. exciting. So you uh, guys can uh, well ask each other I questions. I was, feel free. I, I thought,
7: I might comment a little that uh sure um, um, to some extent, you know it's not because you know i've been I've been uh working in republican politics that, you know I was a volunteer co chair of the University of Florida in Gainesville, Florida, with Tony Ring for Reagan Bush in nineteen eighty four and you know so it just uh, over that time period. Yeah, you know, I, I know it's a different way of thinking, but it's not so much I think having the perfect plan as it is persuading people that that saving the country is not a spectator sport. It's not that it's not whether we have the right plan or not, it's the fact that everybody has to everybody has to row. You know, everybody has no nobody could just sit back and say, Well, I hope somebody <laughs> takes care of that. Um, you know, it has to be, it has to be something everybody, everybody participates in and, you know, and then, you know, there's no, there's no perfect plan that can be thought up unless, um, you know, unless, uh, um, people, people understand that they all have to participate and, you know, I'm sorry, but that means that the, um, uh maybe you know people's obsession and love with sports is just at the you know you got to choose am i going to choose my the country for my children or am i going to sit back and veg and watch sports um and uh, everything else but there there, we got to change the mentality that whatever has to be done it's everybody's responsibility um yeah
1: so let's get Sally's opinion on that. Cause I, go ahead, Sally.
2: Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I agree with that. And what it takes, you know, to get people to act is they have to be shaken up enough to uh, have a, a motivation uh, to get involved and to do something. They need to see the level of threat to them uh, that would cause them to, to change, you know, how they're living their life and to to be more proactive and, that's one of the things that I've discovered about our book, actually, is some what some of the readers, uh, non-healthcare professionals, have shared with me about their reaction to the book. I mean, it, when they read all the evidence, and this goes for any issue, not just the COVID vaccines, but if they start seeing a bunch of evidence of, you know, what the government and big business, big pharma, you know, other big businesses, you know, have been doing to uh, the general public and deliberately, you know, to destroy the nation, um, you know, that starts getting people mad. When they find out how much they've been lied to and deceived and betrayed, you know, by their own government, you know, then that starts shaking people up. Like they get angry, you know, like hopefully righteously angry enough that they that will spur them into the action that you're talking about.
1: Well, and we don't require much action here. Like I say, it's it's something, everybody has a computer, everybody has email, everybody can copy the bill link for vaccine product liability and and big tech censorship. Everybody can send it. Everybody knows uh, somebody, everybody knows people of the country pretty much. Everybody knows media or at least their local talk show. Everybody has a, has a member of Congress and and a couple of senators. You know, it's not like everybody can't do this, but there's, there's this missing Thing. You know, like I say, if, if only a million people, which isn't a lot out of a country of 330 million, if a million people send in yeah. our copy, you know, just the billing could take them like a minute, yeah. you know, to send in our billing, but that, but they don't do it. They just, they don't take that yeah. step. There's this, there's this missing gap of motivation, um, you know, the, the lies and then they, there's, there, it's almost like they want to believe the lies. They want to believe the vaccine is safe and effective when it's not. They want to believe that Joe Biden's really the elected president when he's not. They want to believe that, yeah. uh, you know, Obama's birth certificate wasn't a fraud. He was actually the president. He wasn't. You know, I mean, they want to believe that there was no missile at Flight 800. I mean, I can go through this over and over. They want to believe that uh, the government has your best interests at heart, that it wasn't all rigged by the CDC. They want to believe that the, 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 the Medicaid people, Center for Medicaid Services, isn't paying $130,000 per COVID death. They don't want to, they don't want to hear that. They, yeah. do, they want their, their blue pill. They, I mean, The Matrix, yeah. one of the greatest films ever made, they want to be blue pilled. They want to believe what yeah. they want to believe. And as Jonathan says, they want to you know, have their, their beer and football game, and everything's great, and everything's wonderful. And I'm just the opposite. I've never trusted government. Like I, said, I haven't trusted government since I learned about the Holocaust, and I was 10 years old. So I I got a long history of not trusting anything, you know. So yeah. So how do we, Jonathan? I agree.
7: The amount of work, there's not a lot of work. It's a Mm -hmm. mental block. I mean, yes, there's lots of different reasons, and and I think people will make excuses like there's not a dime's worth of difference between the uh, the Democrats and Republicans. Well, then I'm excused. I don't have to um, do anything right oh, okay if there's not right. a dime for the difference then I'm just gonna go back to the couch and watch reruns um, yeah. so um, um, so uh, you know so there's this mental block but it's like when when I've worked on on campaigns volunteering and doing different things and and uh, maybe standing outside a grocery store and handing out uh flyers for state senator dick black for example you know there are people there you know like i remember a young woman was there and just kind of like would die a thousand deaths thinking about you know getting out there and campaigning but after Mm -hmm. we spent an hour there it was kind of like this
1: was fun this is great when can we do it again yeah, people you will know, say, the first time what? shooting. <laughs> first time, I, I trained somebody to shoot a gun for the first time. I'm like, this is great. Let's go again. I said, what's holding you back? Well, I just had this idea. You know, the misperceptions that are grounded in people's heads are staggering. Yeah. Yeah. Huh.
7: So we've, well, got, to got, get, we've got to get over
1: Yeah. Well, now that I've got uh, a couple and, lawyers and on I think Go ahead, Jonathan. And then i got a question for you both.
7: All right, go ahead. Well, I, I was just going to say, you do. Uh, I think that putting putting something into a into a graphic or you know tangible form helps a bit. So you know, for example, although I I do you know I had a I had a friend in my church who wanted to put something together, and I discovered that humanity has a bureaucracy gene. It's like <laughs> in this meeting, within within a you know within like an hour and a half, he created this huge bureaucracy, you know, instead of like saying, well, let's just do something this Saturday. No, no, we had, had to make this nationwide organization and have all this structure and all this kind of things like that. So, you know, I don't mean to, 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 to do that. Um, but, for example, if, you, if, you, if somebody just says, do you know who your state uh, representative is? Do you know who your state senator is? will you, you know, will you sign up on a map to say that I'm going to, you know, send stuff to that person? I mean, there's a little bit of bureaucracy there. We've got to avoid that. But, um, you know, there's sometimes a format or a structure helps put it, you know, helps get people moving. Well,
1: we've got a form, we've got got a structure, we've got a website, we've got writeyourlaws.com. You know, we've got all that stuff done, you know, but there's, again, there's still that gap. Um, Sally, if you had a chance to take a look at some of our bills, I'm curious what your opinion is, especially vaccine product liability and big tech censorship. Are they simple enough for everybody? Is there something I'm missing from them, or, or what do you think?
0: Oh,
2: I'm sorry, I haven't had a chance to look at them yet, uh, but okay. I, but I will uh, before uh, before our next call together. I I definitely will do that. Um, but you know, we one of the things that really irks me. Is the way lawyers draft things in uh, in language that is more much more complicated than necessary, and mm-hmm. it's like there is a way, and I try to do this um you know whether I'm drafting a contract or anything else you know i'll I'll start out just drafting it, and then I'll make an intentional effort to simplify it, break it down shorter sentences. <laughs> You know easier terminology uh and that type of thing um, because if if people are trying to read something that just i i've read tried to read different um you know laws on the books, and it's deep after the three or four sentences or lines is just hopeless because of the way it's written, and I think they deliberately try to obfuscate things so that you can't understand it. Only they can understand it. The special interests that wrote the, the legislation. So, you know, anything, you know, to that's done in a more simplified way, you know, legislation, uh, you know, simple simpler language, the better. And the shorter the better. So
1: That's, that's what I try to do. That's the whole point of our bills. Um Jonathan's yeah. written, you know, a couple, although he did use the word whereas <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. I don't. I never say where as in a bill, but yeah. So, Jonathan, uh, what do you think? Uh, just in general, and then I got some. Some. Then I want to talk about airline liability. Now that I got you both here, we, Sally had a point on this too, and I think, Jonathan, I wanted to ask you about that another day. But uh, is there anything that I could do to make my bills more simple, Jonathan? More straightforward.
7: Well, I think I think they're fine. I mean, the one thing that I think is helpful to recognize because I've had two two bills. Passed the, the Virginia State Legislature through oh, you go. Senator, um, former Senator William Mims and, and Delegate Dick, well then Delegate Dick Black, um, and um, you know I, I learned that there is an office that puts it into proper language. Mm-hmm. So if a you know if a member of the legislature of the Congress has a brainstorm. And jot something down. It doesn't go straight to the committee. It goes to a legislative, you know, drafting service, and they put it into, you know, they'll take it and make it legally precise. So you don't necessarily mm-hmm. have to be as, um, you know, as technical as as you might think, um, because because if, if you just if you just get the concept down. Although you want to be precise and you want to think about, okay, who's going to oppose this? How can I get as many votes as possible? Um, And that kind of thing. But, you know, ultimately, you don't have to worry so much about whether, whether it's legally correct because there are people who do that.
1: Well, yeah, and I've told people, too, no, that I know the committee staff and their, and their folks who write these, you know, and this is why I say it doesn't, especially when we get them, too. I like to be as precise as possible uh, just so that uh, minimal changes will be put in. I don't want people to have a good idea where we come from. Yeah. But the rationales that I write for a bill, they're, they're mostly for the public, you know, so that they understand the concept of the bill. Legislators generally know what I'm doing, uh, especially on something like vaccine right. liability. They know why it's there. Um, but uh, when you do the, you yep. post the old law, you post the new proposed law, and you have a rationale for why you're doing it. I mean, it, it, what it really does is demystifies legislation so that anybody can understand. it. Because right now, as, as both of you said, they don't think they can. They think it's 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 you have to be a lawyer, you have to be a judge, you have to you know have all this lofty knowledge. Like I say, gods on Mount Olympus are the only ones that can uh, write and read legislation. It's simply not true. It's not that tough. I figured out a sim I'm not a lawyer. No offense.
7: Well, i bet. <laughs> I'll bet that most of your listeners, Uh you know, after the first time they talk to their legislature, to their House of Representatives or House of Delegates or Senator, they'll have the same reaction. They'll go back and say, that was cool. When can I do that again?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually – legislation's you know, fun. Talk, I make yeah. it a big sport, yeah. I got Pianchi on the line. I'll get to him in a second. Let's let let's let's, go, let's talk about China for a bit because I know, Jonathan, you sent me some really interesting things on, on international rules, regulations, and, and but this is a military thing, so I don't think that quite applies. But also I was having fun uh, – and, Sally, I didn't get a chance to send you these, but uh, I didn't know if you'd be on or not this hour. But I've been playing with weather charts, and Pianchi's on the line too, and he's probably noticed these well, that you look at the prevailing winds. Now, normally winds flow – East to West. It's, you know, uh, it, you're, you're, fast. Or is it, uh, or the other, I forgot which one. No, I think it's West to East. It's faster flying uh, from West to East than it is from East to West uh, and the prevailing, but the winds are, are, you know, East, West winds, they're not North South winds. So how did the balloon get from Alaska to North Carolina, through the jet stream, you know, through these winds, when the low pressure on the chart that I found has the low pressure in Canada. So, so the winds would be directed north. And so this thing would have come from Alaska across the, the top of the Canadian U.S. border and then headed for Quebec. That's where it should have gone if it was strictly driven by wind, which proves this thing's not driven by wind at all. So, Jonathan, as you are new to those charts, what, what did you think? I'm kind of curious.
7: Well, I, I couldn't understand the charts at all. I mean, you – yeah you know, people people remember that um, um that you know uh greg panglis is a pilot and has a book on right. on on um how to fly an airplane during a zombie apocalypse when you <laughs> when you find the, the complete you know, guide to flight instructions
1: available on amazon.com which i'll be playing a commercial for later in the show but yes
7: Right but it's the one thing in the walking dead they never they never tried to do is like go to the local- you know civilian airport and anyway um so <laughs> I didn't understand all that stuff but um okay, but I'm glad that there are people who do, and I think that that I, I think that you should publish that as a short article you know a short news analysis argument the one thing and 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 the only reason you know there is a legal discussion um that could be had i just don't know enough about it i just know that it exists they have um because you know for example there are flights that will fly over the north pole Mm -hmm. and land in say chicago and you know i I worked on a i worked on a, a a legal case one time where we reviewed thousands and thousands of documents for a merger of some airlines and you know, you have you have a flight from China transiting over um, Canada mm-hmm. and landing, in, and I know there's all these different categories. There's first freedom rights. There's you know all these different all these different rights under the international um, treaty. So there are there are just all kinds of like they amended it in 1992, the Open Skies Treaty. Right. For me, um, and well, the open and, and um, there's actually a treaty about collecting information. So, you know, um, so so I think you know I'm I'm pretty sure that this balloon is illegal. But there's an, there's enough complexity that you'd need a like an aviation lawyer to make sense of it um, you know cuz there are there are, there are categories for uh, where are, where are these four uh, I've got too many things open yeah
1: I'm looking for them um, myself yeah I've got them on my computer too yeah. um, but basically there are
7: there are first freedoms there are you know second freedoms like for example right. the right to fly over but not land the right to land you know, um, and not, you know, not unload, you know, mm-hmm. maybe to, to land and refuel and keep going the right to provide service by landing and having passengers get off. Yep. There are all these different categories. It's pretty complex.
1: Um, that's for airliners. This is, a, sure this is a military intelligence balloon. I want to know how it. uh, you know, I, I, I did my little GPS here. So from where I'm in Milton, Florida, drive to Fairbanks takes at least three days. This thing crossed, this balloon crossed crosswind, you know, winds that should have taken it to Canada, right, Uh, ends up in North Carolina in about three days. There's something wrong here. This thing's got to be
7: powered, (laughs) you know. Well, right, but also, you know, in some of the discussions, which are dancing around it, they're not really hitting on these points very well, but some of the discussions Uh are that it spent do- days loitering over our nuclear missile silos. Gee, how about that? Yeah. And then, and then and then zipped across the country in like no time at all. Mm-hmm. How about
1: that? And why? Well, there's also one that was shot down in uh, Billings. It looks like Billings, Montana, and then another one pops up uh, being shot down in North Carolina. So there could be ten of these things, and nobody would know. Piak, I'm going to Piak on this. Did you get a chance to take a look at all the weather charts I post? And do, can you explain how a balloon? Uh, a balloon, a non-powered, you know, non-directional, you know, go-with-the-wind balloon, would go from Alaska to North Carolina in three days, you know, through the jet stream, you know, cross all the uh, the different uh, wind currents and everything else and uh, not end up, you know, who knows where else they want to end up. Pianchi, what's your take on this?
6: Well, let me summarize it quick.
0: Okay. Well, it's irrelevant
6: because the bigger problem of the United States is that jet stream is coming across the southern border, et cetera. And this is nothing more than to make Joe Biden look good. Typically, because he doesn't well, shot down now. a
1: balloon? He looks terrible he shot he down a to shoot it down. To. What? Oh, and here's the other thing too, with a sidewinder missile, wait a minute, sidewinders have to have an infrared target. Sidewinders are a heat seeking missile. So for an infrared thing to show up on a sidewinder, there's gotta be a heat source. The usual heat source is an engine. Talking it particularly a jet engine, especially an afterburner, which they tend to do in combat. So what did this yeah, thing and, home in on? What did this thing hit?
6: And China has geostationary satellites that can read social security in them if you hold it in your hand. This part twenty five thousand miles above the earth. Okay. And your jet streams are very narrow. They're not you know, they don't cover no four or five space. They're very narrow, just why I come your planes only fly in the balloon the stream. They wouldn't give us no credit. We never get up that high flying in our planes.
1: Yeah, but the balloon sixty thousand feet. I was going to do some down. jet stream research. Where, where, where's the jet stream? Thirty to sixty thousand generally, or twenty to sixty thousand. No, World War II planes were that. in the jet stream. What's that? It's, it's higher than that. Cool. How, now, how, I tell you, so World War bombers there, that we were in the jet them. Them.
6: Yeah. I tell you who we can ask. We can ask Canadian
1: geese. They've been flying up around elevation. elevations. <laughs> yeah, geese can fly up it's, it's kind of wild. Yeah, there's an article mm-hmm. in uh, Scientific America that this thing seems amazingly maneuverable. You know, for a uh, for a, a, a non-directional balloon. I tend to agree. There's something wrong here, Sally. What do you think? I know you're not an aviation person, but uh, and, uh, uh, you know, what, is there legality involved here? Flying Chinese balloons over in our airspace? There should be.
2: Oh. Well, yeah. I mean, if that's what's happening, uh, there are definitely issues there uh, that uh, that need to be addressed. But uh, you know, I I'm not an aviation person, like you said, so um, I I don't have uh, uh, a lot that I could contribute to that part of the discussion.
1: Okay, just curious. So. Let's get to some of the other things that are going on. Let's let's do another lawyer topic. There's uh, a couple of there's a couple of gun uh, decisions that have come out. The judges said that the federal government cannot ban firearms for people that use marijuana. And then another judge said, okay, fine. Well, you can't have people on. The, there was something else that, that, that was done as well. Um, oh, uh, restraining orders, things like that. So. What's happening gun wise with the, with the government in terms of just trying to get every category person they can, uh, and say that you can't own guns? I mean, they don't care what it is; it's all prior restraint. And so I don't think I don't, we don't, I know we haven't talked about it. Jonathan. Have we talked about? I think we've talked about prior restraint, but. How, where does this come from? Where's the doctrine that says, you know, where, give me a good place where I can look to and say, you can't do it. It's prior restraint. Cause I don't remember seeing prior restraint in the constitution, but I know that's the concept we work on. You can't, you know, arrest people or, or convict them or, or do things against them for things they might do in the future. Maybe.
7: Well, Jonathan? yeah, I mean, t- prior restraint is one way is one subspecies, but, um, okay. Conditioning, the exercise of a constitutional right on something else, so as to effectively deny the constitutional right, is theoretically um, unconstitutional. You know, and, and it's funny because that's one thing that the Supreme Court has said that the Congress can always do is that <laughs> you're going <gonna, I'm, laughs> to come out wrong. You're going to think I'm making fun. The one thing that they can always do is spend money. Which of no, course they true. Can do it with a ban. Um, so um they uh um but even even where Congress has an unquestioned right to do something, they still mm-hmm. can't do it if they're if they're conflicting with a constitutional right. So um Uh, so, um, that, you know, so, so prior restraint is one way that they might restrict a constitutional right. It's not the only way.
1: Um, what else should I be looking into? Them? What uh, other ways are there? What, are, what other ways? What well, would I mean, they
7: do? To punish you after the fact,
1: mm-hmm. or,
7: or, for example, to make, you know, to make, uh, school, you know, funding for educational programs available only to non-religious schools. Um, you know, in fact, where where is it right now? There's something on Breit- Breitbart that's a good example. Let me let me look it up. Where they're making grants available only to woke
1: projects. <laughs> that's Fourteenth Amendment um, equal protection yeah. right there. That's a problem. Well, what about Arizona? Well, they, has a, uh, Arizona has a voucher program, you can spend your money anywhere you want. I think they're going after right, them well, too. That's what it's to be. Well, that's
7: well. This has been a battle since you know, since the 1980s when I um, about about these things. But um, uh-huh. but that um, that's one of the problems. Um, oh, I hate it when. Um,
1: can't find well, let me something ask, again. Let me ask Sally why you're looking. Let's, let's take a minute there. Sally, what <laughs> so, do you know about this? Uh, have you done constitutional rights work or, or gun legislation or, or, or gun cases especially? And what is this? Where where do they think they have the power to take our rights away?
2: Uh, well, if, if they, they have a certain agenda. Uh, okay. Like with everything else. And so, um, you know, they recognize that the Constitution is uh, – one of their biggest obstacles to carrying out and promoting their agenda, and so they uh, they just they give lip service to it, but then they try to impose these limitations on the constitutional rights. So I mean, in effect, they don't care about the constitution. They just would as soon get rid of it, and so the you know they'll take this incremental approach of chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. As opposed to just one big frontal assault, you know, on the Second Amendment, um, and uh, so they'll try all these different ways because they think, okay, first off, you know, I can't get it in one big fell swoop, so we'll just take it in incre- increments, and then uh, it's like the the frog in the in the boiling water. If if you try and throw the frog into the water into the kettle while it's already boiling, they'll they'll jump right out again but if you put them in the water when it's cold uh, in the kettle of water when it's still uh you know, room temperature and then gradually turn up the heat uh, they won't even realize what's happening until it's too late and then they won't be able to act so hmm. i think that's you know the approach they take to you know all these things where they're trying to essentially just gut the institutional rights uh But doing it in such a way that people don 't notice so much, or you know they 'll maybe get you to give in a little bit on this and then and then a while later they'll push it a little bit more and a little bit more uh until so much of your right is gone that you know that that part of the constitution is effectively gutted i mean that 's just part of their strategy uh for i think in on all the issues uh in in terms of uh, destroying our our personal liberties and uh, and freedom that we have in this nation, you know, because – but now they're getting more brazen and bold about it, uh, about their whole agenda, and so that people are starting to wake up to realize that, wow, some of these things that are going on are just insane. Hmm.
0: You know,
2: they're very illogical. It don't make sense, and uh, it's kind of like the devil overplayed his hand. You know, I think we're we're coming into that phase of things that's starting to wake people up when they realize how radical uh, some of these ideas and proposals or uh, court decisions are, and um, various other things that are going on in society. Like, whoa, this is so far from normal. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, how, how did we get here? <laughs> And what do we do about it? So I, I think it you know, the more extreme they try to get, the more it wakes some people up.
1: Yeah. Let me see if Pianki has a comment. Then i got a question for both of you on a uh, big question. Hey, anyway, Pianchi, do you have a comment on that?
6: Well, it works like this. Mm-hmm. After the bill becomes an act passed by Congress, whatever it says, It's usually directed to a certain statute, for instance, a title, which are part of what they call the Code of Federal Regulations. Title 26 is Internal Revenue Code. Okay, that goes down to the head of the Internal Revenue, and he reads it, and then he or she makes regulations based on their interpretation of the act. Now, you, John Q., and Mary Q. Public, once it become a rule, like it says that uh, when you pay your taxes, you got to pay extra $50 to go to uh, the Nicaraguan fund. all right? If you have a problem with that and say that's not what the act says and it's unconstitutional, that's when you go to Jonathan and Jonathan takes it to court, and then at that point, the judges rule. Up. So that's how these different uh, things that we we think that what we say and that well, they're taking our rights away from. Well, it's usually with the head of, I guess it's the AFT, Alcohol, Firearms, Tobacco. They're the one that's coming up with these rules and these regulations. It's not Congress; it's them. And that's
1: the way really you actually, challenge it, you,
6: you got to go to court.
1: That's really a great point. And this is how have, have we become a regulatory <laughs> government as opposed to a legislative government. Because they seem to be making all the policies. What's well, that one?
7: Right. Right. Well, and part of it is because, like I say, we're—I mean, this is—you know—we're—we're we're trying to be nice, and um, the other side is trying to kill. You know, is is trying to destroy us.
1: We don't have time um, for nice anymore. <laughs> no time for nice. Nice is gone. No, nice was fifty no, years um,
7: ago. <laughs> yeah, we got. Yeah, Right. There's a Except war going on, on the Babylon Bee, um is reporting that China assures the U.S. that its warships heading for Taiwan are just meteorological warships. <laughs> they're just, just, just well, weather, you... you know. And, and, and of course, the, the joke, the joke behind that is that we fall for this nonsense. Mm-hmm. You know, they say, oh, it's a weather. You know, it's like you know, the, it's dropping you know tanks on. I think, oh, it's just for weather. You know, no. You're you're not. Well, I've got some articles Um, in a
1: special investigation project about, and they were calling the U-2 a weather balloon. They were calling the SR-71 a weather balloon. And apparently there's a difference between weather balloons and reconnaissance balloons. Apparently reconnaissance balloons, that's the buzzword. That's the one we're looking for. Uh, And I found that in uh, military.com. And so this is what I'll be looking into. Apparently, these things can be directed, powered. You know, there's there's a lot more to it, and so uh, there's there's a fascinating new world of balloons opening up. I don't know anything about.
7: Yeah, well, that, but the thing is, they lie, and we and you know mm-hmm. why, why does why does the other side lie? Because we let them. Yeah. You know we yeah. don't we don't we don't fight, we don't fight back, and um, you know it's it's all saying that Republicans go along to get along. And and that's you know that's what we're disgusted by, and we're not gonna we're not gonna take it anymore.
1: Yeah, well, um, i ask you both. All right, go ahead. No. Okay. Yeah, Sally. You see how our things are here. We are <laughs> everybody wants to, we have so yeah. many things to cover, and then so you know so little time. But this is what happens when you get a bunch of uh, bright folks together. Um, case law. Somebody said to me. I think I've asked Jonathan about this, I'm not sure, but I'm curious, Sally's opinion, too, that someone said, well, the Constitution isn't the real Constitution, it's the case law. You know, the 2,000 pages of Supreme Court case law, that's the real Constitution. I said that's impossible. All of that case law is subordinate to the Constitution. It's inferior. It, it's nice to have for the cases, but it has no bearing on the Constitution itself. And, of course, we've got a big argument about that. So where do we get to a position where lawyers think that they can make law from case law? Uh, the Supreme Court can actually make law, which they can't you know it's one of those great misconceptions like you know the vaccine is safe and effective and you know brandon's really right. the president and that kind of stuff so so where did the, where did this case, case law mythology come from and, and if you heard that before let's go sally first and jonathan
2: well yeah i mean I'm, I'm not sure where where it came from exactly but um you know you do have that i mean case law is very important and they you know talk about the importance of precedent in order mm-hmm. to have um you know, stability uh, and predictability so people know, you know, what the law is. But again, those cases are just sort of interpreting, you know, the laws. And then, uh, well, there's statutory law, common law, uh, too. Uh, and so those are kind of. Sort of well, which one's supreme?
1: Of well, what's the hierarchy if the Constitution's <laughs> the supreme law of the land? Um, Then statutory law would be next. I imagine common law is next. And then court opinions would be last, wouldn't they?
0: Um,
1: Yeah. Um, Well. Disagreement. The The reality
7: is. Go ahead,
1: Jonathan. Okay.
7: The reality is that whatever the judge wants to do is what's supreme. Yeah. You
2: know,
7: if the judge wants to protect. You know, the, the thing is, is that, you know. The fact is, judges have a Chinese menu with all with great admiration for Chinese chefs and restaurants. Um, then and then, um, you know, it's not. It's just that they have lots of choices. It's not because they're Chinese that we say, say that. But the um, but the, the um, you know they have this me- this huge menu to pick and choose from, to, to do whatever it is they want to do you know so so whatever it is that the judge wants to do they'll pick you know a little bit of that a little you know I mean, basically you know the way the supreme i mean the way the supreme court works is it's like a it's like a buffet you know like you 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 wander through you pick up a little of that you pick up something else and you just make anything you want yeah and that's it's why i was so mad
2: yeah, it's not that it, really it's thing. that way. It's kind of like that's the way it is because uh, the uh, the powers that be kind of have their people in in these um, uh, judicial positions, uh, um, Supreme Court or other federal courts or the state courts. You know, they've got their their people in position who are kind of under under their control, and so they'll they'll take whatever uh body of law they need to support their decisions and you know it's not the way things should be but uh you know that's part of the problem with the judicial system is um you've got the people who've got this agenda uh being able to control by one means or another uh the judges who are um you know making the decisions uh and you know, the, that's another whole thing that needs to be cleaned up. You know, ideally, we would be able to get back to the Constitution and much a much simpler um, set of laws that, that govern us, uh, and we wouldn't need, uh, you know, all these gazillion page bills or and gazillion more pages of regulations and so forth. I mean, it's just another form of slavery. Uh, but, uh, you know, the 10 commandments worked pretty well, I thought, but, um, in any event, uh, yeah, the, the the problem, I think one of the problems is the fact that all, so many of these judges are controlled and they'll take whatever body of law they need to support uh, the decision that they, they want to make that goes along with their agenda like Jonathan was saying.
1: I I want to ask about that, about control, in a second. I want to to find out what Jonathan wanted to talk about this morning. We've sort of been all over the place, but I think Pianchi had a comment on this too. Pianchi, did you want to make a comment here? Go ahead.
6: My comment is is that judges don't make laws. They don't even make regulations. And states don't have to listen
0: to
6: them. Yep. All they do is is give opinions and decisions. Uh, I'll tell you something else. The states don't have to listen to the federal government either. What can they do? If, if the states look at as, uh, uh act as being unconstitutional, they can say,
1: nope, sorry. Well, I'll give you a perfect example of that. We have in Florida, we passed a bill that says that we have permanent daylight savings time. And they're all waiting for Congress to come along and say, oh, it's okay. You know, we'll let you do that. And we should just do it anyway. You know, it's not like we're in the old days of of hound wound watches and the 1800s and different gauges of train and you know all that kind of stuff. But you want if we want to do it, why can't we just do it? That'd be a perfect example.
6: Well, absolutely. Yeah, it is backwards now, Greg. It is totally totally backwards. Mm-hmm. It's it's like the, the way some people say, "Well, I'm getting ready to go back to bed. No need me getting up this morning." <laughs>
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to know how judges are controlled. I think that what Sally said was, was, was fascinating. I'm curious about that. Then let's get to Jonathan's topics. <laughs> we have to actually end right at the, at the top of the hour because we have another report beginning uh, then. But how are judges controlled? Well, we've it. Don't ask Jonathan the same question. Uh,
2: well, uh, similar to how they control the legis- uh, legislators in Congress or even state level, um, huh. And, you know, I don't have all the evidence right at my fingertips uh, to prove this, but uh, it, it's out there in different forms of blackmail, for example, Ooh. like bribery.
1: Now I'm interested. Uh,
2: yeah, bribery and blackmail are a couple Ooh. of big, big ways. So Who's doing
1: um, it? Corporate, government? Who's doing it?
2: Well, you know, the, the people at the top were promoting the agenda and, and those who serve them. And, uh, you know, it, it's, yeah, I, I think I'll let it okay, go. How about, elect, <laughs> how
1: about election judges? Let's, let's talk about, because uh, we know Trump was elected because there's no way that Brandon could be Trump in a free and fair election. That's just impossible. It's intellectually impossible. It's physically impossible. So given that, are these judges being bribed to not look at the evidence? And I'll ask Jonathan, same question. Well, you-
2: um, I don't know in any particular case if they were bribed or blackmailed or, or what. Uh, but, I mean, they were already positioned, I think, to to uh, handle case, certain cases uh, in accordance with, you know, a particular outcome uh, mm. that was already in place. It didn't just necessarily happen in connection, you know, with the election. Uh, and so when those uh, election challenges came along uh, from the 2020 election and mm-hmm. they were all dismissed, you know, what a lot of people don't understand is that the dismissals were on procedural grounds, like this person, this plaintiff does not have standing. Uh, meaning yeah, we talked about that.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah.
2: yeah, as opposed to uh, never even looked at the evidence. They never even got that far. But isn't so, that grounds
1: for an appeal right there? <laughs> if the judge doesn't look at the evidence, then there's something wrong with the judge. Let me get Jonathan on well, this yeah. here. All right, go ahead, Sally.
2: No, I was just going to say, well, yeah, you, you could appeal, but appeals cost more money. And then, you know, you'd have to have grounds for appeal and, you know, uh, trying to prove that, what, a judge is is biased or something or that he was just incorrect in dismissing the case on standing grounds. Uh, but then you take hmm. it to that higher court and you, you end up with another judge who's controlled. And so they, they say, we agree with the trial court. Uh, and then where I, yeah. you know, how many how many more levels um, of appeal? Citizen you know? juries.
1: <laughs> the, I, I wrote a bill on, on Supreme Court juries. I'll talk about that another time. Jonathan, how controlled are these judges? You, you're in Washington. You're in the worst possible well, place.
7: I mean, I mean, I, I, I don't know, but you know, there's. Well, let, let me put it this way: if if the circumstantial evidence used to convict innocent people. Were used to, you know, wonder what's going on with some of these cases. Very bizarre things. Uh-huh. You have to, con- you have to conclude that they're, that they are. I mean, you know, they would allow evidence that would convict them in, uh, in any, in any, in, against a private citizen. Um, uh-huh. And, um, I mean, I had a case where the son-in-law. Of the head of an organization, knew his mother-in-law, whom he was suing for pay, back pay and other things, and and wanted to say that uh, that the, the mother-in-law always bribes people. So based on actual, you know, some actual real knowledge, he he suspected that and some weird things had happened. That this judge may have been bribed and, and he wanted prayer. I got in trouble for saying that because you, you're not allowed to say that as a lawyer. Um, <laughs> and uh, even though it, it was my client saying it, based on knowing the other the person on the other
1: side. But anyway, Sally. So I don't know if we're gonna oh, have... go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, and then we'll hear the yeah, Well, Sally Yeah, I'm, laugh, tired, I'm
0: kind of... So I'm no longer licensed
7: anyway. <laughs>
1: Money. Jonathan back to you.
6: Well,
7: well I I just don't mm-hmm. know if we I mean there's no way there's no way of knowing but we have to um, I mean the only thing that judges have as the judges say the court say is is their reputation and that's why you're not allowed to criticize them. They don't have armies they don't have you know things like that so I think you know asking questions you know that legitimate questions which they should be able to answer um you know i, I think may have you know may have an effect um well, but anyway we weren't go ahead,
0: speak,
7: Jonathan. speaking of judges we we're gonna we were, uh, we we're gonna try to go uh, a little bit through the threats to trump and the stormy daniels thing
1: okay yeah feel um, free.
7: But I don't you say that we're cut off at the top of the hour?
1: Well, no, only because I have a, so, my, my next reporter, our, our sex and sensuality reporter, Dorothy, has a, has a tighter schedule. So I want to, you know, get to that. But let's talk. I, I'm not a big fan of this whole thing simply because to me it's a Democrat plot uh, to make Trump look bad. But if there's some legal issues that you think should be discussed, that's fine. But I want to I get the two of you together. Because I think we needed some kind of judicial well, I, uh, oversight legislation to, because no one's controlling these judges, and now I'm now I'm kind of intrigued by it. But go but ahead, you know John. How you control
6: me. the judges, right? What's how? the wording?
1: Well, a lot of it's questions. Federal,
6: gr- is- federal, federal, federal judges are not for life; they're only for when they perform under what is it? good uh, good behavior. Well, I know who's it's right, just right, for the Supreme
1: right? Court but I don't know if, that's, if that if that specific language is in uh, like state supreme courts or or other judges things like that it should be we're going to talk about judicial oversight, but it, other uh, judges think, are
6: elected you get rid of them at <laughs> yeah,
1: which is better it's
7: all all federal judges are are the same standard um we're, but um but anyway though, I'm interested in the things like the stormy da- Daniels oh, go ahead no, tell us about is... that
1: no go ahead. Because it, about is, it.
7: it is a democratic plot to try to prevent um, to try to prevent Trump from uh, you know from being able to run again and things like that you know because you know if if a Democrat is awake he or she is cheating I mean that's what they do is they <laughs> cheat um, so
1: what kind of blood here so,
7: you know that. <laughs> yeah if if a Democrat is breathing he's cheating right. um and so yes. so they're trying to find a way and so that's why i wanted to you know to go through whether this grand jury in New York city supposedly going going after him because of uh stormy daniels um on the allegation that as so a, ben, a porn single right. yeah well, yeah, she was a porn star, and he apparently had a consensual, legal relationship
1: with him. But do we know this for sure? Was he single at the time? I don't know. Do we know this for sure? Was he single no, at the time? I mean,
7: what, the, what's the, what's the, the, the issue, issue with, with
1: that? You know, you got a rich guy sleeping with a porn that's star. Missing. Like that's never happened.
7: Right. Well, but there's. I mean, that's why they they want to indict him. Uh-huh. And the first question is for what. <laughs> you know, so he, so, he, so he. He apparently, he apparently paid her, off, and now we. You know, this might be a transition into your next guest. Uh, but, Could be. Um, <clears throat> I mean, because if, I forget whether he was separated or single at that point, or whatever, or uh-huh. or, or married. But I think. But he, oh, uh, he was
1: married. There would have been a, a divorce and a, a legal case that would have made all the tabloids. <laughs> that would, you know, and all the those uh, well, those the shows, is, you know, daytime TV. You know. I mean, the
7: scandal. The scandal was that um, that he was he was trying to cover it up. He paid her some significant amount of money. Uh, it just escapes me now. Um, what was it? Three hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars or five hundred thousand dollars, something, um, to stay quiet. Keep huh. it a to keep it a secret
0: mm-hmm.
7: and um, everything about this case, like everything else, is dumb because people don't know anything about the law, except the people who who practice in in uh, um, in New York
0: mm-hmm.
7: you know including pro se say that the courts there are out of their minds so so we can talk about what the what the uh, law should be. But logic, reason, law—you know—apparently is no is no restraint on on them indicting him for something stupid that's uh, that's barred by the statute of limitations. Now, the first problem is is that they're saying that the five-year statute of limitations has not expired because he was outside of New York. That's not how it works. If you okay. have you know if, if you have several if you, I mean, if you go away to college, you know, you're still a citizen of your home state. You might be away, but you know, because you're coming back. Mm-hmm. So when he left and stayed at the White House, do you think that that I mean, I'll guarantee you that Joe Biden voted in Delaware.
6: Mm-hmm. Well, he's
7: staying he at did. the White House in D.C.
1: Yeah, by Air Force he, I mean, One.
7: <laughs> he
1: flew to Delaware. Yeah, he, it takes like what 5. Minutes? His
7: address is 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, but he voted in Delaware because it's because he's only temporarily sojourning, and that's exactly what it's called. He he's temporarily oh. sojourning at another place, like if he if he had gone, you know, someone's in the military and they're in Iraq. Right. They're not a citizen of Iraq. They're still a citizen of the state that where they last went because they only went temporarily. With no intent to make a change.
1: So how does this apply to to Trump? I'm curious. curious They're trying to say that
7: that there's an exception. The statute of limitations has an exception. Uh huh. And 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 the meaning of the exception is is if you can't find them, but it's worded badly in New York, so they're saying that if someone is outside of the state. And the meaning of that means we can't find him is what it really means. But they're going <laughs> on a understanding of it. Anybody can find Trump. He's a right. mar-a-lago. <laughs> yeah. So, so being outside of the state is not the test.
0: The, oh, okay.
7: the test is being, is secreting himself from the jurisdiction so that he can't be found. The statute of stops, pauses. Huh. Right. So, and, and that's true. But the thing is, so, it, so Trump famously decided to move his. Now, get this: if you go back and look at the news reporting, which I did last night, mm-hmm. he changed his primary residence to Florida.
0: Hmm.
7: So that he, so, because because a person, it's pers- a person is allowed to have more than one abode. So. If he has – and this happens where people, you know, rich people will have three or four houses in different states. Over a long period of time, they have made one state their their primary residence, and then they, they just get up one morning and they say, you know what, I'm just – from now on, I'm in the other state, even though they don't actually physically move. Hmm. So the problem is Trump has – Trump continues to have real estate. I don't know if he has if he has I, I think he still has an apartment there. you know it would it would be a it would be a um, complete block to prosecution Of course that wouldn't stop in new york the New York legal system <laughs> but if he you know if, the test is if he has an abode, a place with a bed in it where he is capable. Of um, of of laying his head at night. Um, so if he, you know, for example, my recommendation would be that if he um, if he still maintains an apartment or access to an apartment in in, in Trump Towers, he should go stay there because it shows that the, that because because suspending the statute of limitations. And deciding which which of your residences is, is the primary one, those are two completely different things. So so just because he just because he decides my main house is Mar Largo doesn't mean that he's out he's not in the state.
1: So but there's something um, wrong with that but, but why would he want to go to New York? I mean, New York hates him. The mayor hates him. The the the, the city government hates him. The, the the state government hates him. The FBI Southern District Office hates him. What possible reason would he – You know, I mean, they're going to tax him if he if because. he lives there. That, you know, if he goes to Florida, he can go to New York and and make speeches, and no, it's, it's he's, not taxed in Florida because we don't have an income tax. Why would he want any associate with New York?
7: Well, but he because he has real estate there. <laughs> he, well, he, he can have real estate there resident. and still
1: not and still have his primary residence somewhere else, I would do it just for the tax so That's what saying. I'm saying. Oh, okay. That's what I'm saying. If, if his primary
7: residence is Florida, then he's taxed by Florida for income tax purposes. Right. But if he has real estate in New York, he's still in New York for the purposes of of, of, of the fact that he could they could have served him and they didn't. So if he if he still has one of his residences in New York, then The statute of limitations has expired and whatever the hell they do with these different things, they, you know, any honest legal system would throw them out. Now, you know, the New York, you know, I, that, I don't know that the New York judges will be honest, but Mm -hmm. if he, if he still has a, if he still has a residence in New York, not his primary residence, then they have no excuse for the statute of limitations having expired. And and the whole thing's over.
1: This is such a weird case. In addition to the fact um, that it's just you know because I know Michael Natty was involved with this and he got discredited. He's in jail himself now, you know. So that it just seems to me unnecessary complications of things. And I'm I, I try to I'm a big picture guy, so I'm curious about. Uh, well, kind of something that, like I say, Dorothy's going to join us. When she joins us, I'm going to go, I'm going to, go to her because she has limited time. But well, the thing we thing is, okay, we've got well, the State me, of the Union let, tomorrow night. Let me too. wrap it up. Go ahead. That's okay. Let go me ahead.
7: explain it real quick. Because, okay. Um, because the, I mean, the, the, the reason it's so weird is because, like I say, the, the left does not know how to deal with the word no. If you <laughs> you know if you say you know how, how how can we get Trump, and you say, no, you can't do it. They, they are incapable of hearing the word no. So they will keep trying to do backflips to find some way to do it. That's what, why it's so crazy. But the thing is, now, Michael Cohen, um, at least on this point, is an idiot. And whoever was his lawyer at that point was an idiot. Because, because it, he, he pled guilty to a non-crime. Michael Cohen... Guilty to a campaign finance violation, which is impossible, because everybody thinks that if you spend money, like he paid, he paid Stormy Daniels allegedly through layers and things, um, in order to prevent the affair from becoming public, in order to influence the election, therefore. Everybody thinks, well, that's a campaign expenditure. It's not. It's a personal matter. It may not only, not only, should, not only is he not required to report it as a campaign expenditure, uh-huh. um, and he should not report it. But if he tried to report it, that would be the crime. If he tried to make it into a campaign expenditure, that would be a crime. Because it's not a campaign expenditure. That's not how campaign law works. You, have, you know, if you if you um, are going to run for office, so you go and get hair transplants because you're going to look better. The the Federal Election Commission is going to say, "Uh uh no 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 no. That is a personal matter for you. You know, if the fact that it makes you look better and that might might incidentally help your campaign does not allow you to take campaign donations and run out and get a hair transplant it is illegal to 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 spend campaign money on a personal matter Hmm. and i know somebody who i worked behind the scenes to try to defend her on this um so so the whole thing is stupid beyond belief only in new york city could they could they i mean you know, they're not. They don't care about the crime or the migrants on the sidewalk or anything like that. They're chasing after complete stupid fanta- fantasies because <clears throat> there is no, you know, there the, the, the there's no way that paying Stormy Daniels um, to stay, stay quiet can be a campaign campaign violation. It's impossible. So why so is it such a big deal?
1: Why is this such a big deal? Because Because because, would this kick him off the campaign? Okay, so how would that stop Trump? Though I'm missing something here. It seems to me minuscule, minor. It's like what they charged uh, uh, James O'Keefe with from Project Veritas of of, uh, some absolutely minor, tiny little thing. And then, of course, ransacked his house and did everything else like this. We know they do it for intimidation. But how would how would this stop Trump? To whether it's a campaign expense or not. Okay because they think
7: you're stupid. I mean you you're you're smart enough to realize that they're trying to do this to get their agenda and all democrats assume uh-huh. that you're dumb. Uh-huh. So they think they think that there's all these pinhead sheltered cr- evangelical Christians who've never been outside of a church who would be shocked uh-huh. to learn that, you know, and so, so number one, they they because because of the bigoted um, <clears throat> ideas they have of Christians, mm-hmm. they they think that everybody will turn their back on him, and of course they're also trying to kill him by death by a thousand wounds. But also, not, what not they literally. All the we've
1: we've talked about that too. Okay. So this, oh, why are not they afraid of other Republicans? Go ahead, Jonathan. We might have more time, and I think there are, oh, are. some uh, complications. I mean, I, so think, we'll, I think I, I
7: think what ahead. they do, w- <laughs> what they do is they is they pick off Republicans one at a time. They've always done this because that way it looks like, oh, we don't we don't hate Republicans. It's just this one guy is unacceptable, and
6: Until then they the next get rid of them. They, okay.
7: Yeah, they put a check mark next to his. They, they cross out his name, and then they go on to the next one. So so, um, that's that's the thing with Ron DeSantis.
1: I was just going to
7: say that. I mean, if Ron DeSantis is is a nominee, he will be savaged just as bad as Donald Trump. There is no Republican that will ever get a free ride or a pass. You're not going to find a, a, a Republican who won't be criticized. Not going to happen. You have to have a Republican who's going to punch them back in the, punch them back in the nose.
1: Unless it's a Orton Mitt Romney or a John McCain who are essentially Democrats anyway.
7: No, but they, they, they savaged John McCain. They loved John McCain until he became the nominee. Then they savaged him.
1: Okay, that's true. Yeah, you're right. They, um, huh.
7: And, 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 and we, you know, the, 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 the manby-pamby Republicans just can't get it through their head. You know, they're saying, well, if you could just find a more acceptable version of Trump.
1: But that's, they're in no on the scam thing. then. They're in on the scam too because they said, well, we have to admit Romney because all the other Republicans are, are too controversial. They're too conservative. They won't be elected, which is, of course is the reason they were popular with conservatives. Conservatives generally like to have conservative politicians. Same thing with John McCain. Well, we've got to have John McCain. He's the moderate who can win. And so they, so they, but they're in on it. They're in on it with the Democrats because they know these people can't win. They know that the Republican moderates will never win in the general. Uh, for you know, you might as well have the Democrat. So who are they going to run? So now the next one I think is Mike Pence. Mike Pence is the heir apparent to the. Well, Mike Pence is the only one that can beat, uh, you know, uh, Joe Biden. Oh, give me a break! They worked together to put Joe Biden in. <laughs> you know, the scam's already there. Right, but then, but okay. the other
7: thing too is like like when when they they got a conviction against the trump organization for for an even more absurd charge um you know again it's like when you take out a mortgage when's the last time the the mortgage company said what do you think your property's worth we'll just write that down (laughs) they 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 never never happened in the history of mortgages mortgage mortgage company hires independent appraiser right and What's
6: the purpose um, of the deposition? What?
1: Let me let me is hold. That's a big discovery? question. Let me uh, let me hold up on that. We've got uh, Dorothy now, so I want to kind of uh, sum up for a bit, and we should just take right. this up. Right. More, I, I guess more next people. week. That's okay. No, um, if you want to sum up the thing, where do you think it's going? We have got the State of the Union tomorrow night, so definitely. Go
7: ahead. They're saying the, many many of the loans that the Trump Organization has. They're saying, you know, those kinds of loans have an automatic recall if there's, a, if there's a criminal act. Okay. So the Trump organization may lose all of its loans.
1: Oh, I see. They're trying to defund the Trump campaign. I get you. Okay. It, I mean, I know that it was bogus reasoning, but the, the effect of it is going to be very real. Let's hold it there. Uh, this is good. We've got the State of the Union tomorrow night. We're gonna have a lot to talk about next Monday, uh, but this has been fascinating. So I wanted to uh, hold y'all up here and uh, um, let's get to to Dorothy. And uh, this has All been right. a fun chat. We're we're in busy times. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, and Jonathan, again, okay. you always want to start with the biggest topic first. So if you want to start with Stormy Daniels next week, uh, that's that's the place to start because you, well, you know us. We well, always get I, sidetracked.
7: What's that? I'm not gonna comment on that. Uh, on I'm what? not gonna I'm not gonna go. But anyway, when um, there's the biggest topic. But anyway, I'll talk to you. Let's talk to you. Now. I got to go.
1: Okay. Thanks, Thanks a, a lot. All right. Take care. <sighs> crazy times. <laughs> but that's what we do here. All right. Let's let me get to um, Dorothy here. We got a theme for her, and then uh, we'll be all set. I'm, I'm sort of. I keep forgetting where I put it. I'm <laughs> somewhere. Ah, here we go. Uh, nope. There it is. Sex. Everybody talks about it. Some of you are even doing it. But are you really talking to the person you are doing it with? It all comes down to communication. That's where Dorothy Diana comes in. Dorothy is a sexual health nurse educator. She has studied hypnotherapy, Reiki, and many other disciplines. And what is sex without sensuality? Something has to light your afterburner. Join us now for a sometimes very frank and occasionally quite descriptive conversation of sex and sensuality with Dorothy Diana. Okay, now I'm in the mood. <laughs> it, it, it always takes a bit to, to sort of digress from, from politics. And, of course, we had a, a crazy first hour, too. So we've had doctors and lawyers, and it's been very intense here. And uh, so here we are. Now I get to mellow out and, and, and talk about fun stuff. Even it doesn't sound
5: sometimes. sexy. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. I was saying that doesn't, that doesn't sound sexy. This this the lawyers and politics that would no, not give me in well, the that's, mood. No, but that's the first 2
1: hours. Now I'm in the mood I after appreciate after my that. my great intro with uh, my sexy voice. I mean, you know, come on.
5: I appreciate the segue. <laughs> <laughs> I'll
1: try to make it better next time. It? Oh, I think
5: it's good. So, okay, you know, I I'm on? not I wasn't in can you hear me okay? Because I'm on, uh-huh. unfortunately, I'm on my car my car speaker because I got stuck at a bank, which was the most unsexy experience, I think, also. Oh, no. Um, Ooh. Yeah. I don't do well with, I'll be honest, I'm not in the 3D. I don't do well with money and uh, logical situations that require navigating through this world of, you know, practicality. I do well with the sensuality and, you know, fairy magic life where we all laugh together, have picnics in the sun and, um, you know, make out and give each other compliments. So I had to go to the bank and it really kind of bummed me out. So uh,
1: mm-hmm.
5: <laughs> I got if you're not your usual
1: I- sprightly self will understand. So this actually is a really good point. I think <laughs> you've hit upon a topic inadvertently without realizing it, that life sometimes sucks, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and especially for, especially for people that are, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm the eternal kid. I mean, I look at the world with, with big blue eyes and go, everything's wonderful. This is great. Until something happens, of course, and then I'm brought back to, you know, reality and adulthood. But I think to, to a large extent, a lot of people spend their whole lives doing that because they're always in that situation. Whether it's a bad relationship, bad job, bad traffic, road rage, it takes everything out of you.
5: I mean I don't I'm not gonna allow it to do that. I literally don't. And so what I did is, because I always alchemize situations, I'm an alchemizer. So if I'm in a situation where I you know, I'm on the phone with my bank and they uh-huh. literally will not transfer the money. So I I'm buying a house which is very exciting. I've never bought a house. I'm in this like whole new stage of my life where I
0: Ooh, congratulations. but
5: I'm realizing that the banks actually don't want you to have your money. <laughs> They don't you really just want realizing give back that? You.
1: <laughs> Where have you been? <laughs> yes. I'm sorry.
5: They will give it to me, and I'm talking to supervisors, and I'm, and they're like, oh, just, and they have these, they're trying to get me off the phone, clearly, and um, I'm like, no, I need that money because I'm going to use it now, and I'm so excited, and they're like, no, we can't do that, sorry. So <laughs> I'm talking to the manager. Really, I'm being 100. percent They're really, and so I've got in my mind, this is what I'm doing. My feminine self is doing. You know, I love talking about the feminine and the masculine, even if it pisses you mm-hmm. off sometimes, Greg. I'm gonna do it anyway. No, it never pisses
1: um, me off. I just disagree with you. There's a big difference. You never oh, piss yeah. me off. Well, we, we get along way too often. Well oh, go ahead. So
5: Maybe I this will be the first time. I, just, I know it doesn't piss you off. I was being funny. It was. It's. It's <laughs> just. You know, sometimes I rub you the wrong way. And not the right way, because I take the feminine, quote, side, I guess, a lot. But I'm going to do no, that, that right that now. Never, so no, I'm no, gonna...
1: that's why you're here. It's not like I'm going to take the feminine side. So, no, that's why I need you here.
5: Well, you take it sometimes. I think you advocate very well for the feminine, actually. Oh,
1: okay. I well, um, could be wrong. Could hmm. yeah. you know?
5: Hand All right. Hand Fair enough. So... Um, so i 'm here in the bank, and i 've got two things going on in this situation I, one i 'm becoming super good friends with the manager who 's helping me. I love her. She turns out she 's from Laos and we 're talking about singing and dancing and how mm. how big it is in her culture and how there 's not enough of it here, and we should open a karaoke bar like we 're having a fabulous <laughs> conversation in the midst of all this crap and 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 like we 're delighted with each other right and I can, and it 's fun and then um, also i'm i 'm in my mental files thinking. What man in my life right now, if I call him, basically about to cry, because that's how I feel, will help me deal with this bull crap? And, and I'm, li- I'm in my head, and I've got actually a couple a couple of, of resources I'm thinking. If I call these two men right now, and I'm sorry if I'm offending anyone who thinks, you know, that I, I should have a female friend who's great with banking and money – Maybe I do, but that's not as fun for me. So I'm thinking, you know, what wonderful resource, masculine energy resources in my life right now? That if I call and say, what do I do? That they're going to step up me like, girl, I got this. Don't worry. So those two things were happening.
1: (laughs) Actually, that makes a lot of sense. You know, I mean, like I say, if I I have, you know, like I say, you know, dating relationship stuff. I have I have women friends that, you know, well, Greg, let me tell you how it is. (laughs) It works out perfectly. So I understand this completely. You know, this this makes logical sense. Mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. <coughs> gotta have the network yeah, so, that's both al- no.
5: so I was no. alchemizing the negative energy of, of feeling okay. trapped and frustrated because my bank um, won't give me the money and, the, and and I call that a very 3D moment where we're stuck in the realities of this of this world of hierarchy and systems pushing us down and we need to alchemize it back to joy, spirituality and connection um, flirt with everyone, male or female, make everyone feel amazing and um and then That's call actually the radio a, and talk a huge about-
1: secret, you know, defeating tensions, <laughs> diffusing conflicts. You know, I was, I was, when I talk about lobbying, and I forgot this is a private conversation, but I, I talk about Bruce Lee, you know, uh, be the river, don't be the rock. The rock gets worn down by the river. The river flows. The river changes direction. The river goes everywhere. The river is fluid. You can't hang on to it. It's just, it's, uh, you know, it's a constantly ever evolving kind of thing. And I go through life the same way. So if someone's, you know, in a conflict with me, I'm like, what else can we talk about? How can we get around this? What do we, you know, I don't, I never, very seldom will meet people head on, even on this show listening me talk to people that, that completely disagree with me, you know, there's always, well, well, how about this? And what do you think of that? And, you know, and it's just very different ways of dealing with it, but conflict resolution, and we can apply this to, you know, relationships as well, but conflict resolution is huge. And so you've got a conflict right now. You've got someone keeping you from, you're, you feel completely justified in having, and I bet you're right. Cause I know you, uh, and they're not doing it. And because they're, are they stuck in procedure? It's like, well, this is always the way, you know, it's like the man is always on top. You know, I mean, is is it that kind of a, a thing or, you know, we're we just following procedure. You know, these are just the rules. You know, are they giving you something concrete or is it, without well, giving too much detail because we don't want to mention names or places, but um, is this uh, a very hierarchical, almost like a religious structure? Well, the church has always taught this, you know, kind of thing. I mean, w- where is it? What do you see? Mm. Mm. Um.
5: I that was a lot. Um,
1: yeah, I know. That's and, me.
5: No, that was good. Someone <laughs> almost hit me. Um,
1: Don't do that. I I, yeah. I think
5: you're onto something. I think it's definitely hierarchical, like a religious structure.
1: Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Oh, interesting. All right. See, so I can take I can take anything you have in your life and turn it into a show topic. So you know you know, you never have to worry about what you talk about here. <laughs> There's always a way to to find. I that.
5: don't. I don't worry about it. And the truth is, everything. So mm-hmm. my 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 main focuses that we talk about on this show when I call and we chat is spirituality, sexuality, um, moving towards pleasure, um, healing, healing through movement and music, um, divine femininity, and so it actually all goes together. in every single experience really in does. my day, we yeah. in our day, we can relate back to. To raising the vibration, becoming more unified with each other, realizing what we uh-huh. have in common, realizing our sexuality is not shameful, making everyone feel good in their bodies, like walking through the world and choosing the words we say and the energy we bring to make everyone feel more connected. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but but the the topic I had for today was sacred sexuality, and and I was actually reflecting on the Grammys,
1: which okay. did you get into? about the Grammys, because you know I love music. Well,
5: I didn't. I didn't, well, I do too. Music, again, hugely important in our lived human experience. And Uh so, and I think we underestimate the power of the frequency they use and the lyrics that are chosen and how it impacts us, right?
1: I want to explore that too, because I want to know why rock and roll, people feel rock, but they they listen to jazz. You know, there's a whole different, uh, you talk about vibrations. Music is all vibrations. That's all it is. Is different frequencies of vibrations of strings or drums or uh, cymbals or uh, you know any other any number of other or air if it's a, if it's a woodwind or a brass instrument, it's all vibration. There's a thought.
5: Well, it absolutely is, and then they they can actually. I mean, we probably I think we discussed this: that choosing a frequency that creates certain emotions and certain. Uh-huh. Um, Experiences, we yep. uh, you know. I listen to 432 in my house a lot. Other people are advocates for, uh, I think, five what five twenty eight. I can't remember. I always just go to um, look it up. I have it posted by my Alexa. Um, <laughs> so apparently, the modern music industry intentionally chooses frequencies that lower the vibration. Now, people say, "Oh, that sounds crazy." Well, musicians, independent musicians who've studied this are are intentionally now choosing to tune their instruments. You know more about this than I do, I think. But this is becoming more popular. And so back to the Grammys. uh, So I'm
4: really not very religious.
5: Although I pray moment to moment,
1: that, that'll change. I, the, the, you can't help it. It's just the more you start thinking, the more religious you get. There's just there's just no way around it.
5: Well, religion as in dogma. I feel like we were lied to. We've discussed this. I feel like oh, we, were half-truths. we were ha- given half truths. We um, were given half truths. I love you know I, I I worship and connect with Yeshua Jesus on the daily. You know he's my savior, mm-hmm. but I don't. Assume to any really one religion and I think a lot of people kind of feel that way because of you know the shame-based messaging and you know very constrictive top-down um, actions by the church but that to be said the Grammys had a strong whether you believe in it or not they had a strong satanic flavor so Ooh, we that's can look at it like we could say oh yeah we could say oh this certain event I went to had a very strong a Christian flavor. This event had a very strong um, Hindu flavor. This event had a was really felt very Muslim in its practices. Well, that event last night had a very satanic flavor. Satanism no, is a religion. It's practiced by many people all over the world, and um, I think a lot of us were led to believe by culture that it's a myth. It's like a fairy tale that that doesn't really exist. Oh, well, whenever something <laughs> is well, it does. And whenever culture tries to see it, it's to convince something that's not that big of a deal, and it's does, oh, it's silly, and they try to mock people who express concern. I always say, well, there's something to that. Uh, if the media is trying to mock people who express concern, we maybe be, need to be concerned, right? And the media yeah. was saying, oh, Ted Cruz said it was satanic. He's so ridiculous. The conservatives didn't like the Grammys. They're also, oh, they're so they're transphobic. They're this. or that and when the media got on that this morning i said oh
4: gosh so they're
5: okay so it was really satanic i guess because the media doesn't want us to think it was um so i looked into it and yeah that that was it wasn't even a it wasn't they weren't even trying to hide it it was um you know red red lit and uh i mean you just you have to watch if you haven't seen it. You need to watch it especially sam smith so if, if you get a chance i know you're so busy this morning and Neither of us watch TV, I'm always busy, but,
1: but I, I can make time for things too, mm-hmm. no, but the idea of, but this is fascinating I should always make the distinction between God and uh, belief in God and scripture and uh, you know what churches do because <laughs> they're two totally different things so the, the, the church, the hierarchy, yeah. the, the, the man That's imposed right. this is what God really said, even though it's not kind of thing. You know if you want to look at let's take the extreme end, the Inquisition, okay that was, that was church, mm-hmm. that wasn't God. okay, so that clear, everything else makes sense. so let 's talk about this. Inquisition,
5: so we'll, yeah, well mm-hmm. and, and stoning women. And
1: um,
5: I mean, there's actually I was talking to my boyfriend last night who Uh doesn't doesn't wax very philosophical. He's very much in the 3D. He's my grounding angel. And um, that's what I I like. Yes. He's got your girlfriend. And
1: he's uh, he's, okay, All right. Gotcha.
5: (laughs) I'm way above the clouds and he grounds me. I don't like that word boyfriend. It sounds like I'm a teenager. I don't like that. Um, You
1: know, my boyfriend, what would you call him?
5: My current my current intimate healing partner, I guess. My intimate. Okay. I don't know because we aren't we in relationships to heal. We really that's what we do. That's what we do the most.
1: I hope of, not. Right? A, I want to be in a relationship <laughs> to have fun to make my life better than not having a relationship. That's what that's I would be how in it for.
5: most. That's. I think that's how, I think on the superficial. I think that on the, on the forefront of our mind. That's what. We're well, oh. not no. insulting. I'm not insulting.
0: But okay. on the forefront,
5: on the surface, that's how we all see it, right? Like me too. Like relationship you know intimate relationships are should be mostly fun and hopefully they are and we can make them that yet yeah mm-hmm. that's where we all go to heal i don't care unless you're a guru unless you're paramahansa yogananda or yeshua or <laughs> you're you're there to, you're going to be healing you're going to be triggering i'm not a
1: guru a maybe i'm a guru maybe that's my you problem.
5: might be you
1: Definitely. never know radio guru mm-hmm. okay i try not to assume, name a good but, name for
5: yeah. a book the radio guru yeah. okay
1: guru but Greg. Um, Welcome to the Guru Hour, and now.
5: Well, you need with, well now you need a special name like the gurus have. You have to actually change it, like you have to add like Ananda to it or something like that. Like there's ways you you have like your guru name, right? When they when people become high elevated, like in those ashrams.
1: Well, I'll call myself on the Guru Plane because I would rather be flying in a jet right now. So so this is the Guru Plane, Ooh, <laughs> which has which has multi levels of understanding, as I yeah, supervise here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, guru Okay,
5: so in relationships, I, remember, I write that down for, down for next week. week. Guru. All plan. right, you write that down. Back to <laughs> relationships. We have like a four to six month honeymoon window, right? The four to six okay. month honeymoon window where everything's That's great, it? and then after that, you know, if you're lucky, you get four to six months of bliss, right? And then <laughs> God's like, all right, here we go, time to work, time to work. And well, wait a minute. You know, they'll begin wait a minute. To, mm-hmm.
1: If you get four to six months of ideal relationship, why don't you just make your relationship six months?
5: Oh, You'll be stop, happy the that's like what? saying let's just eat the frosting off the cupcake and leave the cake, or let's just start with dessert for no, dinner. No, the cake I mean, is you good. You can if you're an eternal. You, you, you,
1: you, <laughs> but, but the cake is really good, as well as the frosting. All right,
5: the glaze off of the the glaze off of the the breakfast roll. I don't know. I'm trying to give that a good analogy, <laughs> but we're 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 not we're not eternal children. I mean, we can be, but if, I believe we're here to do spiritual work, and I think you do too, Greg. So if you're here to do the work and constantly evolve yourself and constantly grow towards love and a constant divine source god connection. So mm-hmm. ego put aside, bullshit, trauma, everything healed. You know, if that's what we're here to do, uh, we do that really really well in intimate relationships. Most adults if if you're willing to take the plunge, if you're willing to go there, and yeah, mm-hmm. you can end the relationship after 4 to 6 months, but then you're just back in the same you're in the same boat. You don't really get that. Are you happy rich,
1: again? that discovery
5: there's a richness to a long relationship there's a richness to long-term deep love where it gets quote you know boring or it I mean a little bit there is something else that unfolds on a deeper Mm. level it's like when you meditate I don't know you have meditation practice no we talked about that you don't really do you
1: No, I fall asleep
5: okay so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Again, we're all works in progress. I, I, have, I have faith that you're going to get to it because I, I feel
1: well, um, like I, you I need would a, I need a meditator. I, need, I, I like a mediator or whatever you call them. So a coach, kind of walk me through uh, well, it. Well,
5: remind me to send you the link to Insight Timer. They do an excellent job. And you can okay. meditate for three minutes or 60 minutes, and you can choose the topic you want, and you can choose the highest rated leader, and they'll really walk you through it, and it's quite lovely. And, and even if you don't ever get into a meditative state, it's so positive and uplifting that it's Hmm. just, um, but, you know, back to what we were talking about, I was going to give an analogy to meditation. You can meditate for three minutes, and if that's all you have that day, that's fine. But when you do the work and you train yourself to keep coming back to your breath and meditation,
0: keep, Mm
5: -hmm. keep turning your thoughts into something like clouds that you notice that you don't spin out or get involved in, and you do that practice and you extend the time to 10 minutes eventually get up to 20 minutes people do hours i don't <laughs> i'm more of a five to 20 minutes it becomes richer something changes inside so a light switch comes on and and your brain calms it's it's hard to explain unless you've been there but that's what i'm taught the analogy between you know little short honeymoon relationships and the longer where you have to do the work and you have to look at yourself under the microscope and either sink or swim you know, either drama all day or you grow and you acknowledge that it's your stuff and it's not theirs and you need to do the work and they're just being themselves and it's all your triggers. So it's, it's, there's a lot of so growth
2: to So why wouldn't you do
1: happening. that?
5: Huge
2: Why growth. wouldn't
1: you do that before a relationship? It's a thing. If relationships, in other words, you're always going to be working. If you're working and each person creates a different relationship. So, so you are the constant in your life. Well, so if you are the look, constant. Look, we can.
5: We can debate okay. whether or not not going to therapy is actually helpful. Um, I'm in the campus. Well, I, really I think
1: No, I'm well, just thinking this that is, this
5: it, is what the point I'm making. This is the point I'm making. Oh, okay. So you can do your you can do your healing work on your own all you want. You can go to therapy. I'm gonna just throw this out there and I'd love for someone to call in and argue with me on this, but I, I think that most people who have done a lot of personal work in their lives. Mm-hmm. usually agree that the, the the work is done in relationship, whether it's sitting down with your mother and just being vulnerable and, and, and because a lot of women have mom issues, probably dads or men too, but a lot of my friends I know have really deep seated trauma from their mother's issues having not been resolved when they were growing up and they have, mm-hmm. you know, as adults, a lot of conflict and, and baggage and, you know, so it's much easier just to have superficial conversations and call her once a week and talk about the weather than it is to sit down, get triggered, let the stuff from your childhood come up, tell her how you feel, be willing to um, be willing to sit there while she still cannot handle it and still cannot, you know, love you and unconditionally love you in the way that you need it. Like to sit there through all that. And that's what the healing is. The healing is when you feel the pain, you don't spin out into it. You don't try to push it away. You feel it, breathe into it, and relax and accept it, and then make intentional decisions to have 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 conscious thoughts of positivity and and connection and love. So so that's the work. And when you're in relationship with a romantic partner, lots of triggers for people come up. And yeah, you can escape and go to the next romantic partner that's just fun and and um, playtime and and those good feelings of dopamine and serotonin and newness but then you kind of miss out on some really good work that moves you to the higher level spiritually this is what i believe
1: Mm -hmm. okay No. All right. So you want an argument? I I look at it completely differently. I think that you have to do the work on your own. Otherwise you're not ready for a relationship that the spiritual work I've done was all introspective. It was all my own personal journey. Although I did do something interesting with my folks uh, before they passed on, um, was that I wrote each of them and they were separated. They they got divorced, you know, when I was 16. Uh, And so uh, they, you know, my father went to Australia, my mother was in uh, New England. And I was in California. I figured it was the furthest I could get away from both of them and still be in the United States unless I went to Hawaii, which was too expensive. Point being that I wrote each of them a 15-page letter, single space. This is back when we did typewriters. Uh, the computer age quite hit not quite hit yet. I told them all of them exactly what happened in my life, all the things I was feeling, all the things I think that went wrong, all the sabotage, all the problems. I just let it all out. I mean, I let out everything. And I got mm-hmm. two completely different reactions. My father actually treated me like mm-hmm. a human being for the first time, and actually talked to me mm-hmm. like I was a person. And my mother went into complete denial, and said everything yeah, I said was a lie.
5: Yeah,
1: lovely. And she I'm like, she
5: cannot hear uh, you. She cannot feel your pain. She, she never could. Be a space.
1: She, she and, went and, to her and grave not that, being able to hear me. Did you but find that I made painful? the effort. Yeah. What's that?
5: And did you find that painful?
1: No, I found it disgusting. I found it. Uh, uh, a complete <sighs> disrespect for me. I found it, uh, you know, that uh, I knew she was lying. <laughs> when, she, when she I knew she was lying to me and lying to herself. You well, know, I mean, it, right. it, it worked and with um, my father. Unfortunately, my father had a fatal heart attack a few months later. And so we never really got the chance to fix it. So that's the problem. But at least okay, he knew. So, and I, you know, <laughs> yeah.
5: and, and let me know if this, I put on a headset and uh, let me know if this is better sound.
1: Yeah, um, yeah.
5: Okay, so... And again, I don't know your story, and I'm not going to presume to tell you, but most people would find that painful. And sometimes, you know... I didn't say it was easy. Sometimes it it was necessary.
1: Sometimes
5: the masculine will will say something, will kind of make it casual and aloof. But if you go Mm -hmm. deeper, there is some pain there, and, and, and there's potential for it to be released. Because when there's stuck pain and trauma... Mm-hmm. It, it, no matter how. Or release my you pain are.
1: completely. <laughs> but definitely, you know, because people do this after their parents have passed on. But mine knew. I mean, so so they knew everything that I had to tell them. There wasn't, as far as I was concerned, there really wasn't anything left unsaid, other than to work out, you know, some of the problems. That's the part that didn't quite happen.
5: And do you as far still as have a relationship with your mom though? Do you still talk to her regularly, or she? No, she passed on. The... She
1: died. No, they both. both Okay, she
5: passed. I thought you said your father. I'm sorry, I didn't. No, both of them have.
1: No, no. But but until like I said, no, my mother. I never never resolved she never dealt with it she never dealt with it. and she was the one who, was, who caused me the most problems you know the, the greatest sabotage uh so okay mm-hmm. you know too personal for the entire well, show here but the point is that you can no, i think
5: it's wonderful to get personal and i'll say oh, okay. a lot of spiritual leaders will say that if, mm-hmm. if it wasn't resolved like it that she will come back and be connected to your soul again and you will come hmm. back and until that's worked out and healed on both your ends Mm-hmm. that probably that will you will revisit the soul relationship again with her.
1: Um, that'd be interesting. You know,
5: unless well, you truly like I say I've already said my bit you truly mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: you know, so, Yeah. Yeah. That that'd be interesting. But I'll tell you it it is it is a wonderful feeling that in fact that was I think critical for my own development to be able to say just to be able to say these things while they are alive, knew uh-huh. that they read it uh-huh. and they get back to me. Knew that uh, okay, someday we're gonna we're gonna face this one way or another. And one was denial, another one was was grudging acceptance, acceptance and horror on his part, you know, my father's part. So it was really interesting. But the point is that you have to say mm-hmm. the things while people are alive. If you're going to say it, say it now. And the one thing I learned from that, and this this applies to relationships too, don't wait. If you like somebody, tell them. Don't wait. You know, if you you know I he agree.
5: because you the know, right people wait too will long, follow. the right people will come closer, and the wrong people. If you just say what you need to say in a loving yep. way. Mm-hmm. you know you know considering of course being considerate of someone else and how they can receive it but the well, right yeah, people come closer <laughs> and the, the, and and the wrong work. people you know, fall yeah. away right
0: yeah i mean yeah, yeah, yes yeah.
5: the right people come closer and the wrong people fall away uh-huh. so that's a great point um and i guess you know it's lovely to hear the story of how you were open about your experience and how their behavior affected you and mm-hmm. you, and you told, you told them now when that happens and people are still alive, you know, frequently that's not the end of it. So.
1: always oh, at the beginning. Even,
5: so either if everything but, wasn't clear, they still mm-hmm. will continue to interact and you'll still sometimes get triggered. That, that's, it'd be very hard to be a human and have that not happen. Even if you said your piece, even if, you know, the triggers still happen, they, they still happen. Mm-hmm. And, and the lovely thing about yeah, that, but that, you're empowered is at that then. Point.
1: Because you have yeah. said what you need to say. It's out there. And so all you're getting at that point yeah. is a reaction. But, but when, you're behind, when you're behind the curve, when you don't say, when you, I think the worst feeling in the world is knowing that you want to say something, knowing that you have to say something, and then not saying it. And whether you write it, communicate it, however you do it, uh, certain things have to be said you know, while people are in a position to, to hear the message. And I was thinking, you know, I didn't want them to go to the grave with, with uh, me not, with them not knowing. And me not saying, and I couldn't have that. That's why I did it.
5: And then also forgiveness. Like you say it, and then, and then you say, and I understand you did the best you could. And mm, now I don't think told, I got quite I that far. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. I'm still working on that okay. part. Yes, yeah, so that, that's my well, personal to resolve it, yeah.
5: Yeah, uh-huh. yeah well, so, so forgiveness is healing. So, you know, it means you've come full circle and you not only... Mm-hmm you not only shared your pain, but you also can understand why they did what they did and have compassion and love for them.
1: And I think that's where forgiveness comes. And that's
5: where all the life experiences are helpful. Because Mm -hmm. the more life experiences you have, the more mistakes you make, the more risks you try, the more you realize Mm -hmm. other people other people struggling and they're doing the best they can and you understand, right? I think we talked about this like a more unfortunate
1: for well, when I know they're not doing the best, for, for the things that weren't their fault, I never, I said, absolutely forgave, you know, it's not your fault. This is what this is. I know your circumstance. I know both of their, their upbringings. I know both of their histories. And so I know certain things were, were absolutely not their fault. The thing that mm-hmm. I have a problem with is what I call needless cruelty. And we're sort of off on a different tangent here. Needless cruelty. Needless cruelty is where someone knows that they don't have to do it. They know they're doing wrong. They do it anyway because there's some kind of narcissist problem or other problems or things like that. Things that they didn't mm-hmm. have to do that were cruel. Now, I understand when like families are poor families that can not their kids to college, you know, that they try and get scholarships and they may not work and things like that. I understand that. But it's just like a willful, mm-hmm. you know, sabotage of your education. Um, that's 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 the difference. It's very
5: interesting, and this calls uh-huh. them to play their own. And I, I I hate this word. This word is getting so overused. It bothers me. But their own trauma. So you replay uh-huh. what was done to you, right, in order to heal. A very unskillful way of trying to heal, which you'll see with children all the time in bullying, right? Is whatever mm. trauma happened to you, you try to replay it to the next person in effort to clear it. In an effort, it's, it's a very unskillful dark entity way to try to clear it. And uh, that's why, great. I'm just going to plug Sex Ed again. I'm, I'm no, go for it. I'm formula- I'm formulating another class, but people think of sex mm-hmm. ed as just sexuality. No, at a young age, mm-hmm. you start teaching quote sex ed, a great program that starts at a young age does things like reading facial expressions and how to resolve conflict and how to empathize with others. Because like you're saying, they, what they did to you is probably how they were treated. We treat others how we were treated. No, if I we believe don't it. Do our work,
1: if we don't work. And that's the part that the work, I understood and forgave, you know, but and that work that comes we're, we're, in we're,
5: relationship. Yeah. And you yeah. gave them a great gift because in your relationship with them, you mm-hmm. gave them the gift of reflecting to them how that affected you. And in intimate relationships, that's what we do. For instance, mm-hmm. you know, you said this thing to me. I'm just giving an example. And it, I felt like I felt rejected. I felt sad. I felt like you don't want me to blank, 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 that you don't, you know, that's how that felt. And then your partner's choice is to get defensive, right? We have the Four Horsemen, a uh, Gottman Institute, Four Horsemen of Doomed Relationship. Your partner hmm. has a choice to get defensive. And, um, well, no, I didn't, you know, or turn it around on you. You always overreact. I can't do anything right. You know, there's all kinds of reactions that can come. Or the healing reaction, which might be, Oh my goodness! I I really didn't realize it came off like that. I love you, and I would never want to hurt your feelings. What I actually meant was this: Can you forgive me? Yeah. And what healing yeah. comes from that kind of response? It's harder to do, and it's hard to do if you haven't done your work. I'll tell you. You know, if you still carry a lot of shame and poor modeling from your parents, and you haven't worked mm-hmm. through that, it's really hard to give a compassionate, you know, response when your partner is triggered. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But you also have to be willing to risk a better outcome, that something good is going to come out of this. It's not always bad. i got a comment here. Uh, We have live chat. And so someone uh, wrote in, everyone wants to be heard. Everyone wants to be right. Fix yourself Mm -hmm. and you will know how to have a good relationship and how to spot a toxic one. Dwelling on too much pain Mm -hmm. will not let you move forward.
5: Mm. Beautiful. And that reminds me of spirituality too. When you're highly mm-hmm. connected with Divine Source Creator, when you're trying to make every breath a prayer in your life, when you have a good meditation practice, when you're on your spiritual pathway. You also have discernment. And what this live chat um, listener is, is I feel like saying is that when you've done the work and you've healed yourself, you're more able to discern when others haven't, right? Mm-hmm. And
0: mm-hmm.
5: and same for spirituality. When you've done your work and you're connected to God it's it's much easier to discern when things are not, hence the Grammys, hence Sam Smith's very disappointing choices he's making in his career. We can tell intuitively, spiritually, that that there is a push for dark, negative um, capturing of our minds and souls, right? Where's that, Where that coming mm-hmm. from?
1: Where's that coming from? Because music, you know, you look oh, at uh, Beatles topic. just came to mind. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. exactly. We we don't do light stuff here, uh, but just I'm just saying Beatles, you know, what was more fun than the than the British invasion? What was more fun than seeing four guys totally different, you know, from swing bands to 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 uh, like a couple of things in the middle. And all of a sudden we have rock and roll, rock and roll hits and the whole world's united around this music. It was fun. It was I want to hold your hand. It wasn't I want to, you know, fill in the blank. Right. And so it was and it was fun. We had a great time with it. You know, and then something happened and how would, how, why satanic? Yeah, there's some dark rock and roll and some, some nasty lyrics and things like that. And then rap has their bad moments too, especially, you know, how, how many N words can you put in a song? But, you know, but satanic is different. That comes from a very mm-hmm. dark, evil place. Why would you wish that on anybody else? I mean, well, something as fun as music.
5: Sacrifice. It requires wounding others. It re- Satanism requires that particular religion requires wounding hurting and traumatizing vulnerable to gain power and control. So that's but why that religion never... sucks so bad.
1: Yeah, So on a small Wendy. and big level, yeah. yeah, yeah. I Wendy in in it, families,
5: too. people who practice it, in families, mm-hmm. people who practice it you know, do things for their children and, and involve group events with their children. And we have so many people who have spoken out on this that to think it doesn't real and it's not a huge um, cult in our country and others is, is is just naive, frankly. It's ignorant and naive. And you can mm-hmm. say, well, I don't care. It has nothing to do with me. But unfortunately, it does. It affects all of us. And on a larger level, the music industry, big uh, media, anything big media. Mm-hmm. I mean, look. If you can make a deal with an entity to be more rich and more powerful, if you if you prey upon others and offer sacrifices, and this is since the beginning of time, this religion, right, in different forms, it might sound easier and more pleasurable than doing the work, connecting to Source Creator, and following your soul path, which may not be glory and fame that might be something more humble in this lifetime
0: mm-hmm. and just
5: to trust and have surrender that you'll be taken care of and you don't have to fight for money you don't have to fight for power or recognition yeah so so this high, you know the higher spiritual path might be less glitzy and attractive uh and so people get swept into these um dark religions right and and then we're seeing so what's missing
1: uh, what, what, mm. why, why would you re- reject God, you know, and, and heaven and uh, and just the, you know, just from the, the security aspects to know that you're not the ultimate power in the universe, that you don't have to understand everything, that there's a faith out there that, uh, fear. you know, things. things so, fear. So, the, so, so the association is based prays on fear. Fear preys
5: upon fear, upon, mm-hmm. P- fear, prays upon oh, like fear of not enough money, fear of not enough love, fear of lack, huh. fear of being unloved. And I'll tell you, this is why the real work I feel like is children. I mean, if you can, if you can teach attachment parenting, if you can encourage extended breastfeeding, if you can support mothers um, and make sure that they have enough support, they need you know enough money, enough love, enough people to hold their baby. I mean, Mm -hmm. the it starts with the children. It really does. Great Mm -hmm. sex ed, relationship education for in schools, you know, life skills versus you know early reading i mean which doesn't do any kid a Buddha good, don't get me started on that a lot of research i like Says Walmart, what? but um well uh, what? i mean like what they focus early on reading early children well they focus on math and academics and they focus on getting them to sit still and what kids need is love hmm. relationship,
1: not my kids you know conversations <laughs> <We> never, <laughs> making
5: friends you know playing know. outside I, being in the woods. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you can nurture the children and the mothers first and foremost, we've what got a handle fathers? on things. What but
1: about the fathers?
5: I'm what I'm saying, about I said nurture.
1: I know. I need what the you fathers think to fathers, be. You don't doing. Think fathers I need nurture? the fathers
5: to nurture the mothers. You don't and think
1: the fathers children. nurture?
5: You give to a woman when you take care of a woman and you cherish her. She, you're, the gifts that you will get back are are countless.
1: Um, but we can't Agreed. expect
5: a woman to take care of a child and have an endless bucket. And um we we have to support I, I mean, I'm sorry, but the mother is is the breast, it's the life source. The father is the father is essential. He's this is my he's the support system. <laughs>
1: You know, he's he's the leader of the wrong. support system. You couldn't be more wrong. No, Here's the thing, though. I, here's what I want to do. I mean, I think you're absolutely right about mothers, but I think you're absolutely wrong about fathers. And I think that you, you're missing so much. And this might go to some of the folks you talk to. Um, that, uh, if you, I'm not sure if you're, you're
5: hearing what I'm saying entirely. But
1: that's oh, okay. I think so. I go think ahead. I, go I think ahead. I am. Well, here's the okay. thing, though, too. See, I, I see both. I see, you know, to say that a father isn't nurturing. Uh, and to say that the father's role is, is just supportive—that's ridiculous. You've just denied fathers. You know everything. Okay. Like so I raised a daughter, I, I don't, and for a I don't believe, and I
5: apologize if I said no. No, no, you're fine. no, I'm not upset with you because I don't I'm, think I said that. No.
1: Okay, and uh, I'm not upset. I'm not mad with you. We're just talking. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But we can still disagree. So, having, well, I don't mean to say a a fathers
5: is, not nurturing. That's not the main. Uh-huh. That's not the main role. Okay. That's not the main well, role.
1: Yeah. Well, let's talk about let's talk about fathers. What fathers do? Our uh, biggest crime problems. What's that
5: now? Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I think men have been pushed into, I, <laughs> well, culture. There's so much mythology happening right now. Ooh, Please don't hear me saying that, 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 that there's so much mythology in our culture, fake mythology. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't ever want you to hear me say the masculine is not nurturing. And maybe nurturing isn't even the right word.
1: Mm-hmm. No, the, I, it's, it's, not a, it's not even a question of nurturing. It's a question of, I think, that the bigger point you made was supportive. And I think that that's not, no, it's active participant. And here's the thing. If, if you believe in active participants in relationships, you have to believe in active participants and parents. So like I raised a daughter, you know, and for most of our time, uh, I was a single, I, I was a weekend dad. And so, you know, everything that she learned from me, she learned on a one-on-one relationship from bike riding to shooting, to traveling, to uh, debating, to photography, to everything else we did, to just life. Just, you know, exploring and because and, I was always talking to her, talking to her, I always answered, you know, gave her questions that didn't have a, a, an easy answer. I call them moral dilemmas. And we talk about things about everything. So none of that. Uh, so everything that I did, you know, in terms of nurturing and supporting and everything like that, but also educating and leading, you know, it's, it's a whole package. So everybody. So, so a mother and a father, you know, are really, yes, they're two separate people, but they're really part of the same whole. And if you if you deny one, and I think fathers is not a lot. You know, there's a lot of fathers mm-hmm. that, that would love to have custody of their kids, you know, and they don't get it. You know, that's one of the biggest problems with, with child support is that okay. fathers don't have access to their kids. So I agree you, with you. I think, uh, but yeah, I, I think there's I, a lot. Go ahead. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, yes. Everyone, fathers do everything. Fathers can do everything. Mothers can do everything. But when we talking mm-hmm. about our zones of genius and we talk about the typical masculine and energy, energy, masculine and feminine energy and zones mm-hmm. of genius, mm-hmm. energetic z- zones of genius, Forget about men or women penises or vaginas. Let's just talk about masculine energy and feminine. The masculine okay. energy does very well linear, focused, task-driven, um, more competitive, the masculine energy, not men, more competitive,
0: mm-hmm.
5: less nurturing, yeah, some men are total, more
0: you know, protective,
5: wimps, but... more protective and factual and mm-hmm. um and directive. And mm-hmm. the feminine energy zones of genius tend to be nurturing creativity non-circuitous receptive uh, flowing and that does very well with with children and yes you need both absolutely right both makes a household thrive yeah <laughs> so not I'm to listening. say the, the masculine not to say the masculine isn't nurturing and i guess it gets oversimplified when we're have a lot of sound but you know we're on the radio and <laughs> but this the, we're talking about
1: See, I, this, I, okay this, yeah mm-hmm. go ahead no no I'm done See, okay because I think differently I think that both parents have to be both masculine and feminine that if you're going to be a good father you have to be just as nurturing as you are directive that you have to be just as protective as you are you know other, you know, emotionally supportive and things like that and I think mothers have to be the same thing especially when parents mm-hmm. are single parents you know which is really tough to do well,
5: now that's what but, we're talking about we're, we are ha- we're, we're forcing about, people into roles
1: Okay, but we're if we're talking about masculine and feminine.
5: So who plays with the kids more?
1: So who plays with the kids more? Mothers are there are
5: single parents. Single right. parents exist. But let's talk about okay. an ideal world where right. we're, we're raising children in village, right? Ideal world, normal world, aside from modern times, we raise children in village settings. There's not mm-hmm. no single parents. That doesn't exist unless you're like a, a pariah, you know, right. of some kind. But mm-hmm. um, so yes, we're forced into those roles of all of us having to do everything. Is that ideal? No. So my ideal situation that I fantasize about is that we get back to where we can have the feminine energy completely in her own, able to do her zone of genius with the protection and support of the masculine energy. And, um, you know, to the point of how do children thrive best, what's best for the kids, ideal Mm -hmm. world, what direction are we moving in, you know, um, so that
1: See, this it's whole thing of Grammy stuff fathers. fades
5: away because we don't need it anymore.
1: Yeah, but it's just as important for fathers to be in their zone of genius and for for, for mothers to support them in exactly the same way. I think you're, I think we're 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 missing. Yeah, why wouldn't here. it be?
5: Of course. I mean, well, I, like I said, I said, you I said the it. feminine energy when asking. filled up. Look, look. It, 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 uh-huh. When if you've ever you you have experience raising a child. So if you're right. doing a good job raising your child, it's twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, consuming. You can go out and kill a buffalo or kill an animal and come back and relax by the fire and your job's over. So that's the masculine energy, masculine energy you pour into your woman. So she can 24 seven pour into those children. So yes, everyone supports each other, but it's a different kind of support in an ideal situation. Again, masculine energy and feminine. So let's take the gender out of it because I think it'd be less, um you know less maybe
1: controversial
5: of the topic but like we just say like let's just think of like a very oh, tough we can be controversial. Woman.
1: i don't mind well let's le- talk le- about a very tough
5: lesbian woman in a relationship with a feminine energy woman so okay. great great partnership she's gonna let's just say she's gonna go out into the workplace she makes great money she comes home she you know the masculine energy person yeah okay and meanwhile the feminine energy is in the home you know, with the children, filling them up, taking care of them, meeting all their needs emotionally, physically. And she's tired at the end of the day and masculine energy comes home and can relax now. His primary job is actually over. So now he can nurture and fill back up the feminine energy so she can give to the most important little things, which are the children. And all of this spiritual nonsense, this dark entity stuff will fade away because when we have people that are filled up with love, God connection, spirit connection on a great path, you know, less technology, more nature, more free play, frontal lobe development. Now we have a healthy adult population that doesn't need any of it. That won't be tricked by fear, you know, by, by glitter and power and just do this and you can have all this because they're filled up, right? hmm so it doesn't have to be a man, but, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, does. but, but the caregiver <laughs> of wrong. the
5: children, the yeah. 24 hours, seven caregiver of the children, mm-hmm. it requires so much when we're not in a village setting. It's, it's not a great environment to, mm-hmm. to be alone doing that. So it is a non-negotiable for that caregiver to, to get poured into over abundantly, whenever possible. That's, that's what yeah. I'm saying.
1: So if we, if we're I, about I understand, for- but here's, here's where I disagree though. So, so the way it sounds is, is that the, 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 masculine energy pours into the feminine energy so that the feminine energy will support the kids. And what I'm saying is that the, that the masculine energy supports the kids directly too. It's different, but it's there and it's critical. It's just as critical as the feminine energy. Yeah. Because I, you know, that's and right. so this is, I agree. So this is, okay. I think especially and,
5: after the age of seven, to be honest, but, but, okay
0: Yes. Yeah. well
1: yeah no i'll grant you this that yeah i mean you know mothers when when they're when the babies are babies and they're being breastfed of course that's very different fathers come in later mm-hmm. i know that I, that's exactly what happened i think every father knows yeah
5: yeah that.
1: however we need to write a handbook
5: i'm glad we agree What's on that
1: this. yeah No. we, we agree. should write a
5: handbook i'm glad we agree We're, on this because we do the first seven years he focuses on pouring into her that's a great foundation right there because all she's depleted, her body's depleted,
1: mm-hmm. you oh, know everything's sense.
5: depleted.
0: <laughs> but there, yeah. there comes
1: a time. Well, see, I started really early with my kid just because I love being a dad. <laughs> I had so much fun. But I mean, I would you know have her walk around the neighborhood at two, <laughs> you know, up, like up and down the sidewalk, mm, you know, so sweet. she wouldn't go far because she was two. But I mean, I always took my kid places. By the time she was four, you know, we were on public transportation and going into San Francisco, you know, ferry boats the whole bit, you know, and I took her yeah. everywhere. I mean, what a
5: blessing! Gosh, oh, it was so much fun. Why did fun it? if a, was, safe, a, a safe adult could take my yeah. child away for 2 hours at a young age that i mean there's yeah. that's so priceless you know what i mean women do not have that like some I mean, women don't really? have that it's
7: that's so weird so uh, these are guys are guys are no one
5: pouring into them and we wonder yeah, why guys. these kids are, are 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 steeped in an environment of of fear and lack and and video games because yeah they're you know the raising a child alone is really just well, I'll not tell you, good the, for the fathers
1: that don't take their kids on their own, just the fathers and the kids, you know, are idiots. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you right now. Uh, because I had so much fun. I had far more fun than, you know, I mean, my kid was a blast, you know, and it, 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 try engaging a four-year-old in conversation. It's really kind of fun. Uh what am I hearing in the it's
5: like, you're all, it's like you're all high. I mean, like, I
1: mean, exactly. and when yeah. I say
5: that, it's because they're so expansive. Like, they don't have the rules and the baggage we have. And they'll talk mm-hmm. about anything. And they have beautiful, pure, oh, no kidding. fun ideas and reflections yeah. on everything. It's like you get to see mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm like the miracle God created it you get to see it through that lens right
1: which is <laughs> mm-hmm. well, but I don't think I've ever lost that lens that's the that's the crazy part so I could talk to a four-year-old as a four-year-old and understand whether I mean obviously the words are different but I mean and the concepts are a little more developed than me I hope but the thing is I can still see the world as a four-year-old sees it just because I've, I've you know my, my inner kid never left or oh, did for a while, but he, he's back now. But I think fathers, this is, and this is something we really need to do, and I think what you're saying makes a, a lot of logical sense, but I think in many ways it, 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 it damages fathers because they think they can't see their kids or they're not good enough to teach their kids or society has kind of bred it out of them that they're supposed to be watching football and playing This is playing the golf.
5: modern culture. This is a de- I mean, I don't want to say Democrat, but, you know, I was a Democrat my whole life, but it feels mm-hmm. like that's part of the culture they push: pushed is, mm-hmm. is man-hating, not man not ah uh, you know i always say we can we cannot rise at the divine feminine without the divine masculine alongside it, can, it happens mm-hmm. together so you, well, you don't you get can't to rise, say okay rise the feminine the
1: divine masculine without feminine too see i, I i'm trying to yeah you don't to get, get to your point you, where you don't look get at them to equally have all
5: these wonderful feminine uh liberties and beautiful you know evolution of the feminine without the masculine so trying to push the masculine down actually mm-hmm. is very self-sabotaging
0: mm-hmm. um
1: that's true. You
5: know, it's, it's Right? And so saying toxic masculinity or the fathers are, no. I mean, that's what insane. Talk about toxic femininity.
1: I, you know, talk about toxic femininity. Look, you know, things have gone really crazy out there. And women aren't um, even supporting women anymore. <laughs> I mean, you know the, we know yeah, the feminists like against the guys. Yeah,
5: they're like anti-women feminists. It's like anti-women feminists. It's very weird, right?
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I mean, why would women allow men and women sports? <laughs> you know, we, we, I was you know, some watching fashion. a show, you know, uh-huh.
5: I don't watch TV, but you would find this interesting. There was a hmm. show with Julia Louise dreyfus and Eddie Murphy, and I bet a lot of your listeners probably know this show. I'm so ignorant of TV, but it happened to be on. I was at a friend's house,
1: uh-huh. and it was at
5: nighttime, and this show was on. And this is this is a very popular show right now. Apparently, it's about what's it called? Um, I don't Jonah know. Hill is marrying. I I don't remember. Jonah Hill's marrying a really pretty dark-skinned woman, and it's about like how their families are getting together. The theme it is full of celebrities. I'm sure it's popular. The theme, all you heard was black, black. Every 30 seconds, they had to emphasize how it was hard to be black and how the white people are kind of stupid and lame and racist and how hard <laughs> it is. I mean, Eddie Murphy is oh, hard to be black. Now. I'm sorry. That's a little ironic. Yeah. But um,
1: see, Eddie Murphy is doing what now?
5: telling us how hard it is to be black i mean really it looks like it looks pretty <laughs> good i mean
1: i, millions I, I don't know uh,
5: uh-huh. there's so much emphasis on color of skin and uh-huh. and it's like the culture it's like the, the the corporate media culture is holding on to this old antiquated i mean we know that race is a social construct we know that skin color we don't know what any race anyone is by looking at them anymore we really don't know their ethnic background um uh-huh. and so this this show is just pumping these ideas out into the world of it's all about racism and white privilege and um, even women. So Julia Louise Dreyfus um, mm-hmm. was like humble and humiliated and apologetic the whole time, looking like a, buffling, like a bumbling fool with the script they gave her. They made her look like a, a stupid, clueless, unhip, bumbling racist. And I'm thinking mm-hmm. to myself, Julia Louise Dreyfus has successfully navigated an industry that is very male-dominated, She was never that cute. She's cute, but she's never super hot. She got by on her personality and her grit. I used to see her at the coffee shop in my neighborhood all the time with the writers. Hmm. She does, she's a philanthropist. She's aging and she still gets great roles and to take her and put her in a position where she looks like, like, okay, well, you're a white woman. So you must be a, an idiot. Like what progress have we made as a culture for women's rights? When, when, because of the color of your skin, we have to see you as like, you know, a, a fool. I, I, I mean, it's, it, was, it blew my mind. I said, this is what they're feeding the people, these messages.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, you should You should, you should hear the rest racist. of our if show sometimes. If your skin sometimes. is above
5: a certain tone, yeah. you must be racist. Yeah. Like, I don't know what the measuring skin tone parameter mm-hmm. is, like the, the, the meter of color, where if you're above this color, you must be racist. Like, I, I don't know.
1: There's nothing more racist than saying that people have white privilege. That is the most racist statement out there because it is so filled with with hate and it is filled with uh, all kinds of other things. But it's also filled with privilege because if you say someone, you know, who has privilege in society? Um, Blacks and Hispanics have privilege in affirmative action. Women have privilege over guys in in affirmative action and and like college scholarships and things like that. Um, Most of the privilege in our society right now, government privilege. You know, we talk about black supremacy on the show all the time. You know, because you look at uh, the, the way the government's constructed, the racist government, the, the people at the bottom are the white males, the people they say are the most privileged. If I'm the most privileged, you know, why do I have to compete with people who have an advantage in scholarships, have an advantage in jobs, have an advantage in government contracts, have an advantage in society, have an advantage everywhere you can think of. Certainly have an advantage on TV because the only people you can really make fun of on TV with no repercussions are white males, especially Christian white males. And so I'm at the lowest rung. So I'm the one who has the least supremacy in the world today, certainly in the United States today. And yet I started Action Radio because I'm just a gutsy guy. You know, uh, so that's so it's, a, it's a very interesting contradiction. You look at all the commercials on TV now. They're always interracial couples. And the only person who's the idiot is the white guy. <laughs> you know, so if someone's going to be an idiot. So if you have an interracial couple and, uh, and the guy's not white, then someone else is going to ha- or they, they, like share the blame. But there's a white guy in the inter- interracial relationship on a TV commercial. He's going to be the idiot, guaranteed, because we're the only group you can make fun of. I'll tell you something else interesting, too. That was really fun. On, uh, uh, I forgot how it came up. I was researching something over the weekend, and something came up, white privilege, white this, white that. And I remembered that Martin Mull did the History of White People. Have you ever seen it? 1985. It's hysterical.
5: I have never you- seen that.
1: Okay, I, I found it. Just look up the history of white people. Now, here's the funny part. This is where it gets interesting. Now, it's got Fred Ward and stuff, and they're just very white and very Wonder Bread and very mayonnaise. It really is funny. It's, white, it's Martin Mull poking fun at white people, something I do on the show, too, with my, uh, you know, my January white sale where Black Lives Matter sells white people. That's the new January white sale. It's hysterical, but it makes fun okay. of white liberals. All right? Anyway, I'll play for you sometime. I'll play for you now if you want. I it depends how much time you have because um, I know you have to go pretty quickly. But when I looked up Martin Mull. I have Moll, to
5: go... My children
2: well, need
1: groceries. <laughs> okay, well, that's fine. All right. So I'll just I'll say it really quickly. What was fascinating about looking up... I love
5: talking to you, though. Trust me, my feminine would rather stay in chat about sex and men and women and... And politics and raising the vibe. This is this is what I one like more to do. Line. But the grocery one store more line. Is calling me.
1: One, yeah. one more line. I know they're calling. One more line. What was fascinating about the Martin Mull thing of, of the history of white people is that every other suggestion on the YouTube side was all about black people and civil rights and history and everything else. There wasn't a single white person anything on the entire YouTube stack. That was fascinating. Now contact information and let's talk next week. I love having you on the show. You're so much fun. It's fascinating. Uh, yeah, it really
5: yeah. changes they changes the focus um, on so like
0: mm-hmm.
5: you know, we change the focus a little bit. I mean, we have to pay attention mm-hmm. to what's happening in the three D world but um mm-hmm. really important to mm. mostly focus, I think, on God and love and, and each other and relationship. I don't know. But anyway, so my website is YoniYoon.com. I teach women uh, somatic movement therapy to heal body shame in the form of what looks like exotic dance. It's very fun. And uh, I'm an RN, MSN, a lot of, a lot of titles and certificates. <laughs> and uh, my Facebook is Dorothy Diana, and I love to connect on that. I try to keep it um, on topic, but sometimes I... I get silly on my Facebook, but I love connecting with, with people there on those topics, uh, Dorothy, Diana.
1: So thank you. Thank you for another wonderful discussion. I do. I really love having you on the show. I love our chats. It's fascinating. Talk to you next week. Mm-hmm. Take care.
5: I'll talk to you next week. Wonderful. Thank you, Greg.
1: Right, you're very welcome, Dorothy. Bye-bye. So now I'm going to play all the things I was supposed to play. <laughs> you know, partway through the show. I keep trying to do, um, you know, like my commercials and things and my announcements, you know, in the middle of the show, but I just don't want to ruin the continuity. And so they're at the end. These are the important things, obviously. Uh, But just to give you our our website, the one you're listening to right now is blogtalkradio.com slash action. Our legislative site, particularly the bills I talked about earlier with, uh, with Sally and, and, and Debra, uh, writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. And to find those laws, vaccine product liability and big tech um, censorship, you want to go to writeyourlaws.com, click on legislation. It's the second item on the menu bar. Then go down three from that and click on all proposed laws. So writeyourlaws.com. Click Legislation. Click All Proposed Laws. Those are the ones we're submitting to government. Um, that and my new Substack, gregpenglis.substack.com. And our, our contribution site, givesendgocom slash action radio, slash action radio. All that's on your broadcast page uh, in case you miss any of it. And I will talk to you tomorrow at 7 o'clock in the morning, starting off with Brianna Cannon, 7 o'clock. And then we have uh, Josie Cossey at 8 o'clock and 9 o'clock. I may have a guess. I'll have to check. Who knows? That's tomorrow. Tomorrow is another day. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try, even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5.00 p.m., Florida Stores Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stores Automotive, I go there, you should too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices, Their website is gracecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gracecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Grace Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. From Addiction to Achievement, that is the story of Mike Lindell. It started with MyPillow and now goes to MyCoffee. Action Radio is proud to be an affiliate of MyPillow. Our discount code is the same for all our product affiliates, W-Y-L, which stands for Write Your Laws. MyPillow pillows are guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. so you can wake up and hear Action Radio live. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand Your Ground. My friend Jason Myers and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand Your Ground is located at 6632 Elba Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going, an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down. Or contact them by phone, email, or website, and learn how you can best stand your ground. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio, using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed.